Good day, combatants. Thanks for joining us today. Family, welcome back. Newcomers, thanks for stopping by. Make sure to click follow or subscribe as it really comes a long way. Please tell your friends and spread the word. We have another conquest special for everyone this time around. One thing that the show really nailed down and perfected were its insanely fun fight scenes. Producer Larry Kasanoff assembled some of the best martial artists and stunt performers known to man. One incredible stunt person who was involved in almost every single episode is Christopher Lepps. If you're a big Conquest fan, this is most definitely an episode that you do not want to miss. I say this because Chris was kind enough to provide Kamidogu with some very rare and unique behind-the-scenes photos from the show. So if you happen to be listening to this on one of the other audio-only platforms, you may want to consider jumping onto YouTube for this one. Chris has really made his mark in cinema, doubling for some massive names such as, most notably, Johnny Depp, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, James Franco, Matt Damon, and much more. He's even lent a hand doing stunts for the successful Star Wars series, The Mandalorian. He has also written, produced, and directed a number of projects, one in which we will get into more as the episode goes on. Having said that, I'm very eager to get this interview in motion, and so away we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and here we are with Christopher Lepps. Man, we've been uh, really fighting for this day. Things have been so hectic, but here we are. It's happening. I'm stoked. Conquest is my everything. Thanks for being here, man. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. So let's talk about how you initially got into stunt work in the first place. Uh, what made you realize that this was your calling? Oh, wow. Well, actually directing and filmmaking was sort of my calling. But, at, you know, as a kid, I you know, I grew up in Central Florida and, um, you know, was a huge fan of movies early on. They, you know, they were woven into my childhood and I knew I wanted to be involved with films somehow. I didn't know how that was going to happen, you know. Um, but, you know, growing up in Central Florida, your options are limited. You know, Hollywood was out west in California where they made, you know, movie magic. And I, you know, lived in Orlando, Florida. And, you know, what could I do? So um, the live shows uh, were very prevalent there uh, between Disney and Universal. So I actually was one of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle performers at the, Disney, at the Disney MGM Studios. Yeah, I... Um, the, the studios opened in 1989 and I saw a commercial for it. And among all the attractions there, they had the Indiana Jones stunt show. And I thought, oh my God, I, I want to do that. Um, and I had a martial arts and gymnastics background, but I wasn't quite, at that time, I wasn't quite at the level of gymnastics they were looking for. I auditioned a couple of times and, and always made it to like the top 10 or top five, but I was never chosen for the show. Um, okay. but, but prior to that, um, I auditioned for the Ninja Turtle show and I got it. And so I was the opening cast. Uh, I was primarily Donatello, but I learned all four, all four roles. Whoa. And at the time that was the best thing that could have happened to me. I mean, it was a really great way into, um, you know, the entertainment industry. Uh, I learned a lot about, you know, performance. Um, you know, I'd done some, some, you know, uh, 
you know, movies, you know, uh, uh, home movies as a kid, you know, making fake fights in the front yard <laughs> and, you know, trying to learn camera and things like that. It's always great. But, but yeah, but, but Ninja Turtles, you know, working for Disney and, and doing Ninja Turtles was a great, like I said, a great entry point into the entertainment industry. And so um, now fast forward a few years, I, you know, I was trying to get more into stunt work and, you know, cause the Ninja Turtles job was great, but it was, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to eventually break into television and film. And so I figured that, you know, I knew directing wouldn't happen overnight, but I figured, okay, I have an athletic background, you know, martial arts and gymnastics. I could perform as a stuntman and kind of, you know, learn the ropes of filmmaking and, at, you know, make a living as I'm learning my craft. And so um, got got a job at the, at the Wild West Stunt Show at Universal Studios, Florida, and then eventually went back over to Disney and finally got uh, into the Indiana Jones Stunt Show, which was a dream come true at that time. But at uh, at uh, Universal is um, is where I met John Bedlin. John Bedlin and I uh, were were both hired at the same time in 1993, the spring of '93 for Wild West. He was Brett Taylor, and I was uh, Felix Cassidy. Okay. And so John and I hit it off. We both had a martial arts gymnastics background, became fast friends, and did the show together. And then um, one day after one of the shows, uh, I saw a gentleman. You know, kind of he was hanging back after the after the audience had left, and he had a a tag around his neck. And I didn't know much about production, but I, I, I figured it was some sort of pass, some sort of like production pass, like he was allowed to be there. And he's looking at the set and he's just kind of, you know, looking and, you know, he's making some hand <laughs> gestures and he's writing down some things. And so I went up to him and I said, uh, are, are you with a production? He said, yeah, I'm actually, um, I'm scouting for a, a, a kid's martial arts TV show that we're going to film here. And I was like, I'm a martial artist. Do you need, do you need martial artists? And he's like, yes, we do actually. And so that gentleman was Isaac Florentine, who was actually one of the directors uh, of the show. And I auditioned for him that, that very week. And, and I was a ninja on WMAC Masters. So that was my first, yeah, yeah that was my first uh, uh, job with, uh, within television and film. So it was a, it was a non-union show. Um, but it was great. I mean, I, I could not, I, again, much like Ninja Turtles, that was the best thing that could have happened to me at that time. Uh, learned a lot from Isaac and um, there were actually two units that ran on that show. One was um, directed by Isaac Florentine. The other was directed by Pat Johnson. And uh -huh. so um, John and I, John Bedlin and I both got work on WMAC Masters. John was on Pat's unit and I was on Isaac's unit. And so that was, it was a great, like I said, it was a great experience and I actually worked with a few of the early, uh, prior to making the film, some of the Mortal Kombat uh cast uh chris casamasa yeah. was red dragon on that show hosung pack was on there um so anyway it was it was a great experience and so from there um got more into television and film and so i bring that up because it, having to do with mortal kombat so john um i think it was mortal kombat 2 uh he Pat johnson yeah well he yeah. also well pat remembered him from from WMAC Masters yes. and brought John on to be the assistant stunt coordinator on Mortal Kombat, uh, on Mortal Kombat 2. And so that got John in with Larry, Larry Kazanoff. And so now fast forward again, you know, a few more years, the nineties were, were awesome, man. I mean, like it was never, it was never a dull moment. I mean, I was a young kid and I had boundless energy and I was always looking for, you know, the next project, trying to build my career, trying to get more into uh, television and film. And so, um, so I think by this time, John had moved to Los Angeles. I was still living in Central Florida. And he called me up and he said, hey, Larry Kasanoff is producing a film starring Christopher Lambert. Um, it's, it's called Beowulf. They're going to do sort of a, <laughs> a, a take on the, you know, the, the classic, the, you know, the classic story. Uh, but they want a lot of action elements. And he's already had a bunch of guys audition, but they're all in the Screen Actors Guild. And at the time, I was still non-union. So he said, 
can you come out to LA and audition for Larry? And I said, yeah. So I jumped on a plane. I went out, I met Larry. I auditioned right there at Threshold Entertainment. And, um, and it was a good audition. I didn't have a lot of, you know, back then, wire work wasn't really, uh, you know, a thing yet. You know, uh, it was, it, obviously it was, it's been used, you know, in, in on, you know, the Chinese uh, projects for many years, yes. but it hadn't really hit the United States yet. The Matrix is really what kind of put wire work on the map. Um, and of course that was, you know, uh, uh, the Chinese team, Chinese stunt team that, that primarily did all that stuff. And so back then it was a lot of mini tramps, um, you know, it was springboards, it was all, a different type of apparatus. And so when I auditioned for Larry, I didn't have any of that stuff. So I just had to kind of do my best. I did some tumbling. They had some very thin mats there because, you know, it wasn't a, you know, they, they were a production facility, but they weren't a stunt facility. So they didn't have a lot of, you know, pads or anything of that nature. But, you know, I, I did some tumbling, I did some falls, I did some flips, you know, kicks and, did, you know, did my best. And, um, sure enough, a week later, John called me and said, Hey, Larry, Larry thought you were great. And we're going to Romania for two months. And so, <laughs> so that was it. I was on a plane to Romania and we did Beowulf. And again, it, it, I'm so thankful for the way things, you know, it was, it was definitely a marriage of right place, right time. And, and, you know, being the right person for the job. Um, yeah. you know, uh, so that that was really a great a great project for me because it, it got me with Larry again much like Demi Macy Masters I learned so much about you know the film industry and you know camera and I would talk to you know the director and the director of photography because again it, you know my background process was still filmmaking I still wanted to you know be a filmmaker right. at some point so um, so it was great and uh, and again it got me with Larry you know we did a we did a lot of it was it was definitely an interesting take on Beowulf because it wasn't the you know, again, it wasn't the classic sword fighting. It was very much, you know, kind of that pre-Mortal Kombat, you know, style. <laughs> big, big kicks, big flips, special moves. Yeah. Larry loves special moves. Oh, and so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to come up with a lot of like, you know, cool tricks. And again, very little wire work, a lot of mini tramps, a lot of air rams, um, a lot of, you know, big aerial stuff. And so that kind of solidified, you know, my, my position with Larry. And so when the Mortal Kombat TV show came up, Finally, uh, long story short, too late. Um, John called me and said, "Hey, Larry would love to have you back, you know, on the show." And and so originally, I was hired just as kind of a general double. Um, you know, we shot in in Central Florida, um, and I was still living there at the time. So they were flying people out from Los Angeles. Um, and it was great because I could do both martial arts and gymnastics. So I was kind of a two for one. And so that got me my SAG card. I got in the Screen Actors Guild on that show, um, and it was great. It was it was it was fantastic. I mean, I. I'd already had experience at Disney. I'd already worked at the studios. Now I was working on the studio side of the studios, not the live entertainment side, but the actual filming uh, side and the sound stages. So, um, wow. Yeah, that's 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 the background. But again, martial arts and gymnastics was was really what what started everything. And again, I knew that I could make a living as a stuntman while I was learning filmmaking, and um, and it was a it was a great journey. So, yeah. Incredible, Chris. Um, so <laughs> let's let's talk uh, a little about your experience in uh martial arts uh do you have a uh what are your you know do you have a black belt in anything and uh furthermore let's talk a little bit more about your gymnastics yeah of course so um it's funny i had seen karate kid you know when it came out in the theater oh. um, I'm, I'm aging myself here but that's okay uh <laughs> I, i'm in good company with my mortal Kombat alumni um and that really, you know, and I, you know, I had seen other things, you know, uh, I think there was a TV movie called Sidekicks with Ernie Reyes Jr. Um, ah. And so my dad, when he was younger, he took judo 
And I said, you know, I'd love to get, you know, after I saw Karate Kid, that kind of, you know, sparked it. And I said, I'd love to, you know, get into into martial arts. And um, he said, you know, well, if you, you know, if you're serious about it, you know, it's not, my dad had a great, you know, he had a great philosophy. He said, it's not just a sport. It's not just an athletic, you know, mm. uh, um, activity. It is, it, it's a way of life, you know, it's a lifestyle. And so, yeah. I, you know, if you, I want you to take it seriously, if you're going to get, get into it. And so, you know, I was very much, you know, I loved the Asian culture and I knew that I didn't want to go to, um, you know, a school that was, you know, run by a Caucasian man or woman. I was sure. like, I, w I want the authenticity of an Asian uh, martial art. I want, I want to, you know, nice. um, I want that foundation, that source. And so I did a lot of research and there were a lot of martial arts schools in, in, in Central Florida. Um, but I landed at what really, what really did it for me in my search engine was at Walam Kung Fu with a uh, grandmaster Chan Pui. So I have, I have primarily a, a, a Kung Fu background, Northern praying mantis. Mm. Um, and, and master Chan was awesome. I mean, he, he was, you know, born in China. He escaped communist China in the thirties, um, made his way to the United States, opened a, I think he opened his first school in the seventies and, um, and now Walam schools are all over, you know, the United States. But uh, yeah, so that that was my background. So so kung fu, and um, and it was great. And I got exactly what I was looking for. A lot. It was very much rooted in Chinese tradition. We learned lion dance. We learned, you know, we did the Chinese New Year performances every year. I learned a lot. You know, that was prior to Ninja Turtles. So that's, you know, that is probably the foundation that I received for um, for live performance. We were always performing. We were doing shows. You know, various openings and things like that. Uh, we done. We did shows at Epcot at the China Pavilion, which was great. Um, mm. But the reason I bring all that up is because we also got uh, Chinese acrobatic lessons as well. So that kind of started mm. my sort of, I would say, uh, formal uh, training in in flipping. But it's very much a. It's very much a. Um, I, I will, I'll say a hard floor. Uh, discipline because you know Chinese acrobatics is just on the ground. There's no trampolines. There's no anything, and mm -hmm. so you learn how to you know generate power very differently. Well, then when I was in you know now fast forward a few years, I was a senior in high school and I was in the gymnastics team, and so on the gymnastics you know team everything is pointed toes and straight lines and you know all these things. So I kind of had to unlearn a little bit of my Chinese acrobatics because I didn't care about pointed toes or straight lines. I was just trying to, you know, do backhand spray as many backhand sprays as I could and, you know, end it with a backflip or whatever. So um, between those two, it was a it was a really perfect blend of of how to move of a air awareness and how to move my body. And so, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, thinking about Mortal Kombat now, you know, it it it's hard because it was so I mean, my God, it was 25 years ago. <laughs> I mean, pretty much half my life ago. Um, and, for, you know, for people that aren't aware, there really wasn't anything like that show on American television at the no. time. You know, obviously, you know, Jackie Chan and Yun Bao and Sammo Hong, I mean, they, they had, you know, had been doing that stuff for decades, you know, on the Asian market and the mm -hmm. Asian television and film. But really, when you think about the action films, you know, in the 90s, I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had come out and there was some you know, there's some elements of fighting there, but, but, you know, to bring that level of fighting and that style of fighting to American television, I, I'm very proud of what we accomplished because there really wasn't anything like that. And so, you know, again, kudos to Larry, because when we, when I got Mortal Kombat, you know, I remember, he, I remember very specifically, he came up to us one day and he said, all right, Chris, this isn't Beowulf. You know, we got to take it to the next, we, he's like, this is next level. We, he's like, I want you to think of 
He's like, go outside, you know, go into the soundstage, take a mini tramp, couple pads. I want you to come up with five or six big moves that, that are gymnastics, but also martial arts. And so John and I went out there and I literally started, I would hit the mini tramp and I would just do every flip that I could. I was doing, you know, front flip, step out, back layout, step out, full twist, you know, double, you know, double fronts, all these things and how I could get a martial arts move generated from a flip. And so again, that's, that was, it served me well on the Mortal Kombat TV series because I could both kick and flip, you know, and back then, I mean, there were, make no mistake, I was, I was not the best kicker in the business and I was not the best flipper in the business, but I was a pretty damn good combination of both of them. And so I think that's what made me so valuable on that show. And so again, to answer your question, I, I, you know, I have to attribute that to my early foundation at, at Wallam, you know, you know, the Kung Fu background, the, the acrobatic background, then of course, um, you know, in high school in the gymnastics team. Mm-hmm. Wow. So were you a, a big fan uh, of Mortal Kombat pretty much from the start? Do you have any background of playing it in the arcades? Yeah, well, it's funny because um, I don't remember being a huge fan. I mean, I, I loved the game when it came out. I, I, I dropped my quarters in there just like everyone else. I, I didn't really have the patience to, you know, beat all the characters and whatever. <laughs> um, I loved, it's funny because I love, I think probably my favorite character was probably Raiden. I thought he was, I thought he was a oh, cool character. Um, nice. And, uh, but now again, it's all, it's so funny. The nineties and uh, my background is so interwoven. So now rewind the clock again, WMC Masters, I met Ho Sung Pak. We became friends. And mm -hmm. so Ho Sung had done the Mortal Kombat video game. Liu Kang. And so, exactly, of course, he's the original Liu Kang. And so, um, and of course, Liu Kang was one of my, you know, another one of my favorites. But anyway, so Ho Sung and I became good friends, and he actually was doing a couple of the video games under his own label. Um, he was doing yes. a video game called, I forget the name of the, the game, but it was for the, I think it was for the Atari Jaguar platform, uh, which never- Thea Realm Fighters, I think? My God, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, you've done your homework. I applaud you. I, I could not have remembered that to save my life, but that's what it was. Yes. I only, I only and, wish it came out, man. Oh, I know. Well, so did, so you would probably know better than I do. Did the did the Jaguar actually come out? The Atari Jaguar system? Did it ever see the light of day? From what I understand, uh, it was pretty much all prepped and ready to go, but they canned okay. it last minute. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I I didn't think it came out, but anyway. So Ho Sung said, "Hey, I'm doing a I'm doing a video game, very much in the style of of Mortal Kombat. We're gonna film on a blue screen. You'll you'll do all the moves, and um, I think it's funny. I was a character called I think it was Captain Hollywood, uh -huh. and yeah. So so I have I have like photos somewhere of me in this ridiculous outfit. But anyway, so that you gotta was, send that me that. Was, <laughs> yeah, I will. I definitely will have to find it. It's this is pre digital, so I gotta go into my. <laughs> <laughs> into my garage and dig through all my pictures but um yeah so that was that was a lot of fun so ho sung and i uh he he i did that we did that one together and then he actually asked me to do another video game that i think didn't come out i guess i'm i'm cursed when it comes to video games whatever video game i work on never sees the light of day but anyway so that was cool so that was kind of a, a an interesting little side um journey kind of affiliated with mortal kombat but i was yeah i mean i was a fan of of playing the game um you know again i I love video games in general, you know, um, and that was that was definitely among uh, one of the ones I would, you know, kind of perk up when I saw in the arcade. But it, but not really. I didn't go too crazy with that. I didn't I didn't have it on the home console or anything like that. But I'm familiar enough with it that I that I knew the character. I mean, I, I mean, uh, I mean, 
Sub-Zero, you know, was right up there with Raiden. I loved the Sub-Zero character. I loved Scorpion, you know, so I'd already yeah. knew the Reptile. I'd already knew the characters. So by the time, and obviously I think the Mortal Kombat, um, the first film had already come out. So I kind of knew what we were, we were kind of getting involved uh, with when, yeah. when the TV show came. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was fun. It was very exciting to the fact that that was the next project after Beowulf. So. Do you have any memories of, uh, I don't know, seeing the first movie in theaters? What did you think of it? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I'd always been a fan of, of Kerry Tagawa. I think his, his work is just, I mean, he's just a great actor. And to yeah. see him on screen, obviously, uh, you know, huge Highlander fan, uh, you know, huge Christopher Lambert fan. So that was that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I was super stoked. I, I saw it in the theater. I thought it was great. Um, all the fights were great. I thought the casting was really fun. Um, uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was really cool. I mean, it, it was, it was, uh, it was, th th that was an exciting era because New Line, um, you know, was relatively new as a studio. And so, you know, I love their logo, that sort of film strip flipping away from camera <laughs> and then hearing the Mortal Kombat, um, music kick in. That was really Chills. exciting. And so, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, that was, a, that was a good era for film. The nineties, the nineties produced some really, really clap, you know, great, you know, sort of now classic films that uh, um, that really had a good good impact on a lot of people. So yeah, that was that was it was a lot of fun to see that on the big screen. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so uh, you were kind enough, Chris, to provide us with some uh, <laughs> amazing behind the scenes photos of Conquest. Um, I I cannot be more excited to do this. Uh, that show, as I said, uh, is my number one. So let's dive into that right now. So really quickly, how did it become your favorite TV show? Oh man. Okay. Well, uh, pretty much at the age of around four years old, <laughs> I, I, nice. I, play, I played the first game on Super Nintendo MK1. And basically, um, I just really, really liked the universe that was created. I thought the characters were so incredibly unique. Um, and there's just something about that atmosphere that drawed you in all the, the, the colors and yeah. uh, the action, obviously fatalities is something like, Whoa, what's going on here. And so long story short, when I found out, it was actually a few years later, um, that they had released movies about it. I was jumping off the walls because just the, the fact alone to see these characters that have been so important to me throughout the years to see them on live action screen yeah i thought was mesmerizing and yeah. so uh one of the best memories i have is seeing the trailer for mortal kombat conquest i i'm in canada so it was the space channel they it showed the preview <laughs> and that was one of the most exciting times of my life i can say that right now uh because i'm like you know, we've seen a movie that is only like an hour and a half, but you know, I guess right off the bat, it's probably going to be a really long series. You're, you're really going to dive into, you know, the stories of each individual character. And so, uh, the fact alone of a, of a TV series just blew my mind and, and watching it, um, is, is some of the most fondest memories I have, uh, growing up. So that is why it's yeah. so incredibly special to me. Uh, I have a lot of memorabilia. I have, you know, a gigantic poster of it, which I'm really, really proud to have, oh, very I have a, cool. a lot of the DVDs. And so, yeah, man, that, that pretty much answers your question. I'm sure. Oh, cool. well, thank you for answering that. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought that they were very smart to go period with it. Um, you know, obviously the films were present day and I, I thought that that was, that was really smart angle to take because again it allowed them to draw that 
that that that storyline out. And I'm sure we'll talk more about this later. But a shame that it didn't go more than one season because they <sighs> had some really fun things in store. I know they certainly yeah. certainly did. I'm sure. All right, we'll we'll save that. And so here we are with the first image. Um, it's labeled as a Denian warrior, which is pretty fascinating. I did not know that. And uh, I think this was uh, a background character in Warrior Eternal, the first episode. Is that correct? Yeah. So that, if I recall, it's funny because we were... So that show, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it was... By the way, I've, I've seen a couple of the episodes now. It was so great uh, seeing everyone and hearing all their stories and all their takes. And, um, you know, like Jeff and Bruce and, uh, and everyone was saying that, so they, the, the two units ran simultaneously. And so, you know, we would be doing, you know, rehearsal or shooting the fights and then the acting unit, you know, first unit would be working with the actors, you know, Tracy and Kristana and everybody would be on, on up there. And so I remember we were, I think we were rehearsing something and then John came over and said, Hey, um, go to wardrobe and they have a costume for you. And then you're going to go over to soundstage one. I was like, okay. So I go to wardrobe and I put this costume on, not knowing what I was getting involved in. And <laughs> it was kind of cool. So I go to, go to the soundstage and there's Bruce and Shang Tsung. And John's like, okay, so, you know, Bruce is basically going to, you know, suck your soul out. And I was like, oh dude, awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> that was actually my very first on-screen character. Um, even though wow. I was prepping and, and, you know, getting ready to do other stuff, that was my first one. And so I literally just laid on the ground and, you know, Bruce did his, you know, Shang Tsung hands and I arched up and of course Arch. John's like, oh yeah, they're going to add, they're going to add it in post. Don't worry. And, um, <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So there you go. That was, uh, that was, <laughs> look at that, That's they, really look at cool. that young guy. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that was a cool day. And it was so funny. It was great. Uh, Bruce was so great. I mean, everyone was great to work with, but, um. Bruce was such a, it's funny because he's such a jovial, kind, soft-spoken guy. And then when he would get into Shang Tsung character, he, you know, he just turned it on and he was just, it's very, you know, uh, this presence. And, um, yeah. but it, it was really cool. But yeah, he, uh, you know, anytime he had, I mean, it was few and far between because he was so professional. But on the, on the offbeat chance that, that he would, you know, flub a line or do something or have a blooper, it was so funny because he'd go from this, you know, deep, dark Shang Tsung back into Bruce and kind of laughing and, you know, joking and silly. And it was, he was such a, it was such a, I mean, like I said, everyone was such a pleasure to work with. Oh my God. Paulo. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just, it, it was a really special show because, um, you know, I think, I think Jeff Meek talked about this as well. I mean, we were all just, it was great. I mean, we're in, you know, we're shooting at the Disney studios and, you know, just yeah. having a blast and just doing what we love. And, um, you know, I was, I mean, I, I was so young. I was just happy to be, you know, uh, you know, I got my, I just got my SAG card and I was working on the, you know, this hot new TV show and working with Larry again and, you know, yeah. meeting new people and, and, you know, getting to meet so many great, you know, martial artists and stunt, stunt performers from Los Angeles that eventually became, you know, good friends of mine. And so anyway, sorry, side note, back to your, no, that's all good. <laughs> back to your slideshow. I, I love the elaboration. Ah, now ah. this. <laughs> this is inter this is interesting because uh, I'm gonna assume this is the thieves from uh, the first episode, right, with Tasha? Yep. Yeah. Okay, but what's interesting though is that, uh, yeah, during the fight scene, I don't even remember seeing JJ on there. I think John Valera actually uh, stepped in as one of them, didn't he? Correct. So that's what's fun. Yeah. Again, this show—it's so funny. I mean, it was—you have to understand—it was a—it was a. It was a 
it was a SAG show, but it was very low budget. Um, you know, th there was you know, very little money for extras and things. I don't, I don't mean background performers. I mean anything extra than you know what was what was absolutely needed. You know, whether it was yeah. set pieces, costumes, things like that. So JJ was actually the original uh, Kung Lao double. Um, I think at that time yeah. they already knew he was going to be Sub Zero because they'd already had you know the episodes. You know, I think at least four or five of them written. I know they were they were kind of writing as they went along. Okay. But I, I'm pretty sure at that time it was established that he was going to be Sub Zero. But he was brought in prior to that to be to be Paolo's double. Um, and you know, again, back then it was Screen Actors Guild was much less strict. But having said that, they did try extensively to find a double for Paolo who was Asian. Um, you know, Paolo's uh -huh. Paolo's six two, I think. And He's so, pretty tall. Yeah. So to find a six two six foot, you know, two inch Asian gentleman who is also good at martial arts is that's a tall order and so i know they had some auditions and um again being low budget i think they were just trying to you know to be as efficient as possible so they, they flew jj in knowing that he was going to be sub-zero but you know he could also do you know kung lao as well but i say all that because i think jj might have been i don't know what we filmed that over a couple days i think and so okay. yes it was it was me and john valera um, and then I think JJ jumped in on one of the days and that got, I, I totally forgot about that picture. So JJ, <laughs> he, he, he's one of the, you know, one of the performers that I be became really good friends with. In fact, when I moved to Los Angeles, JJ was my first roommate. Um, he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm moving out of my place. You know, you're moving to LA wow. if you want to crash at my place, you know? Um, and so it was, he, he, I owe a lot to JJ. He's, he's such a, such a good dude and, and really, um, Again, I learned a lot about film fighting from JJ. I mean, he he nice. was one of my favorite people to fight on that show because um, you know fight scenes are like a dance, and and mm -hmm. it's it's less about if someone is a good fighter, and I feel like it's often I mean that that is important, but oftentimes it's about chemistry, and sure. fighting JJ just fit. It just it it, it fit like a jigsaw puzzle. He was so consistent. I always knew that when I threw something, his block was going to be in the exact same place. And when he threw something at me, you know, it was always going to be that consistency. So I loved, loved, loved fighting JJ. Um, and he's he's a powerful fighter. I mean, he's he's one of the few people that that is probably just a good real fighter in real life as he is on screen, which is saying a lot. So when he threw a spinning hook kick at you. You ducked, <laughs> not because you remember the choreography, but be out of necessity. Not that he, not that he, we would hit you, but just you knew it was coming. So, anyway, such a such a, gr a great uh, on-screen performer and uh, a great energy. And like I said, I learned a lot from JJ about about energy. About um, I'm, my spinning hook kick definitely got better because of him. I was like, oh, nah. it, it can go that fast. Okay, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Keith so Cook anyway, said he's uh, he's hell of a kicker. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, JJ can. Uh, I, in fact, we 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 did a fight scene. I was doubling uh, uh, for Chris Casamasa. Actually, he couldn't be there. He was. Um, I forget. He had a scheduling conflict, and it must have been pretty big because I, I, I know he hated missing it. But I had to jump in as um, his Takeda character, and because at that uh -oh. time JJ was still doubling for Paolo, and so they had to make a choice. They said, "Okay, we can see JJ." as Paolo and everyone's going to know it's not Paolo or there you go. Yeah. There you go. Or we can see Chris who can pass as Chris Casamasa. At least, you know, they're both Caucasian. And so I, I actually 
portrayed Takeda in that fight scene with JJ. And so they, I, I bring that up because one time, you know, we were going so fast and just take after take and boom, boom. And I just got, you know, just lost concentration just for a split second. Yeah. And JJ had a spinning hook kick come and I, I barely got out of the way, but it caught me. <laughs> and instantly JJ, he stopped right in the middle of choreography and held me and he goes, you good? And I was like, I, I, yeah, I'm good. But yeah, JJ's his kicks. You you, you don't want to be anywhere near them when, when they're coming at you. So, um, but again, uh, it's totally my fault. I you know you can't lose concentration. You know you can't you can't become complacent. But uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that fight. Wow. Yeah, look at that. Look at that dark dyed hair. <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, I remember. I remember Chris was so upset. He he was. Uh, I, in fact, yeah. in fact, we were on we were on the stage and Larry was there and he was talking to Chris. And they, they, Chris is like, oh, is there any way you can, you know, can you, I, you know, I just kind of, kind of heard, overheard the conversation and, and Chris was asking if there's any way they could push the fight. And Larry right. said, we can't, we're on a schedule, you know, because if we push it, that pushes everything behind and we, we're filming very, you know, very tightly. So like mm -hmm. I said, I don't, I don't remember what Chris's, Chris's scheduling conflict was, but anyway, when he, when he knew it wasn't going to work out, he comes over to me, he goes, all right, Leps. Make me look good. Uh, and I was like, oh, geez, here we go. And I'm like, the pressure's well, on. he's like, you know, here's my move and here's what I do. And I said, okay, wait, do you want me to fight like you? Or do you want me to fight like me? Because I'm better at fighting like me. And he's like, just make me look good. So anyway, I think, I think ultimately he was pleased. I, I, uh, I, try, I try to, I try to do him proud. Yeah. I think that, it was, that was a great a fun fight. fight. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We had a good time. That was, um. Oh, there's another uh, one. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. It was funny because John had asked, so it was JJ and I um, fighting. And then if you remember, it was also Taja fighting two uh, like ninja characters. And uh, yes. it was Dana and, you know, uh, Johnny Nguyen. And I forget who the other, shame on me, I forget who the other ninja was. Uh, but anyway, so John said, who wants to go first? And JJ was like, let's go first. And I was like, okay, I didn't really think about it. So we got to go first while they fought in the background. And then the next day, the cameras focused on them while JJ and I were at the background. And I was so glad that JJ said go first because we were exhausted from the day before of fighting. So in the background, you know, you don't have to go as, as intense. And so I was like, cause we were shredded. I mean, it was, I mean, we shot for 12 hours, just fighting, fighting, fighting. That's all that wow. show was. I mean, that, that show, you know, JJ had a really good philosophy about it. He's like, you know, we're being paid to train right now. He's like, this show is constant training. You're not going to find any better training than this. You're training to fight. You're doing choreography. You're, you, you know, you're. If you're not, if you're not fighting on on screen, you're practicing. You're rehearsing. You're, you're trying new moves. It was, it was literally like a training ground, you know. So it was, it was mm -hmm. awesome. So anyway, having said that, we were totally shredded, you know, the next day. And so I was so glad that we had, that we went first because we could kind of take it a little bit easier in the background. So anyway, yeah, that was that was a hard, that was a big fight, and it was a, uh, it was pretty intense, yeah. Yeah. Here here you are as the guard that got <laughs> sacked in the balls by Taja. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was great. That was uh that was Christa all Christana. And um it was cool because we did the old we did the old uh you know kind of strap uh so they, they make this strap and for, for stunt performers where you basically hook it on it goes it goes into your pant legs and you hook it on one foot, you bring it up through your leg and then you run it down the other leg and hook it on your other foot. So below your actual crotch line, yeah. you know, the, the strap sits about here. So you can hit that strap as hard as you want and it'll never actually 
you know, touch your body. And oh. so Kristana was so sweet because I told her I was wearing it. I, you know, John showed her. He's like, look, I can kick him. It doesn't hurt. And she was like, I know, but what if, what if it fails? What if it breaks? What, you know, whatever. And I was like, Kristana, don't worry about it. Just do it. And so she was so sweet. After a few takes, she, she got more comfortable and she, she, she did it. She nailed it and she did a great job. So that was fun. That was a little bit, um, that was a little bit scary. Cause again, one of those situations where I think the day before John said, Hey, before you go to rehearsal tomorrow, Go to hair and makeup. You're gonna, you're gonna, you know, play a little part. And I was like, what? Oh God, do I have any lines? <laughs> oh, geez. And so they, you know, they had to make me look different than, you know, because I was always doing something on that show. So they're like, okay, yeah. we'll throw a, you know, beard and mustache on you. And so anyway, yeah, that that was a lot of fun. That I think that was, um, yeah, that was pretty early on. I, I want to say, yeah, because Taj, the Taja character, she was, she was in chains for some reason, right? She was, yeah. The Baron just treated her like dirt. Okay, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> It goes without saying, but I haven't seen the it, show in a while. <laughs> but it looked like that guard was getting pretty lucky there for a second. He was getting pretty yeah. uh, stoked that she was about to undress. And then, right. ooh, blue balls. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she was great. And and, 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 and Christana was great. I said, how you know how do you want me to, like, how, how should I play this, you know? And she was like, yeah. oh, yeah, we'll just have fun with it. So, yeah, she was, she was really great. Again, everyone, just such a great attitude. So eager to just do a great job. Everyone was... It was a, yeah. it was a really special special show. Ah, episode ah. three, cold reality. Wow. There we are. Oh my god. Okay, so now you can see <laughs> five foot nine white guy <laughs> doubling six foot two Paolo. Uh, probably, you know, I think he was. I, my God, I think he was on people's top one hundred. You know, most beautiful people in the world, most beautiful men in the world, or whatever. He's something I mean, like that. My yeah. God, look, look at that chiseled jawline. Yeah, so that <laughs> that was a lot of fun. So that was um, so obviously JJ had become Sub Zero for that episode, and yes. I think at the time I was just kind of a temporary fix. Um, they, like I said, they they were I know they were auditioning back in Los Angeles trying to find a Kung Lao double, and for whatever reason it didn't happen. So John said, "Hey, JJ's going to be Sub Zero for episode three. We're going to." were to throw you into um to the kung lao double and i said okay great and i, I you know i was like okay cool um and i ended up kind of kind of staying there and becoming yeah you know, the kung lao double so um it was interesting because we shot out of order um and i think the opening sequence of moral of the of the very first episode where they show kung lao training and kind of doing his thing so that's all me from behind and then they cut mm -hmm. you know to, to paolo turning around um so i think we had shot that around this time as well um because otherwise JJ, otherwise jj would have done it yeah so but anyway yeah so that's that's johnny from left to right that's johnny nguyen ryan watson myself paulo and john valera um oh man that was a fun that was a lot of fun though again all those guys some of my favorites to fight i mean paulo what a great attitude he you know i think jeff jeff meek kind of touched on this as well you know they would be brought over you know, the actors we brought over to the fight unit while they were, you know, in the middle of their day. So if they had half an hour, 45 minutes downtime, they would say, okay, run over to second unit and we're going to throw you into the fight scene. And so we would show the actors, you know, a sequence of moves like, okay, in this section, you know, it was usually hand, it was usually hand movements because, you know, to, to, you know, the kicks sometimes are a little too complex. And Paolo had such a great attitude. He was like, okay, you know, one, two, three, you know, and, and we'd show him the moves and he would do it. And he had such a great energy. 
But by the end of the season, he was really doing a lot more than he originally. I mean, he, he bare minimum at the beginning, and by the end of the season, he he was doing a lot of it, including some kicks. Yep. So I remember one one funny story was he was he was I, I think at this time I wasn't doubling him. I think I think Mike Chatteronabut was doubling oh, yes. him for this episode. So I was playing one of the ninjas, and so Paulo, we showed him we showed, we showed him the choreography. And like I said, he had gone from doing like three or four or five moves all the way up to like 10, 11, 12, you know, moves in the sequence. So it was getting right. toward the end of the sequence and, you know, he was fighting three ninjas and he hits this guy and does this and I come running in and he forgot. And I just, and I, and it was great because I, I could talk because, you know, you couldn't see my face and I just go, hit me, hit me, hit me. And it, it like a light bulb went off and he was like, oh yeah. And he throws his punch <laughs> and whatever. So that, that kind of became our running joke, Paolo, whenever we would like fight each other, he would just go, hit me, hit me, hit me. So um, that's good. That's good. Anyway, side story. But yeah, that was a really fun fight because we got to go up the stairs and we, you know, I was flipping off the stairs and yeah, John and Johnny and Ryan were doing all these amazing kicks and flips. Yeah, that was, we had a lot of fun with that one. And it was cool because JJ was now Sub-Zero. So we got to, you know, got, got to fight him as well. And, and uh, Tracy Douglas told me Johnny Wynn there, he, uh, he actually played Vorpax in the fight scenes. <laughs> Okay, so there you go. That yeah. again shows you how you know it, it was a very low budget show, so it was it was very difficult to find someone to double Tracy. Um, she she I mean, everyone was in such I mean we were all at the top of our game back then physically. I mean everyone was in such great shape, um, you know, and obviously the wardrobe was very tight fitting, and uh -huh. so it was it was hard to, to find a double for for, for Tracy. So because she you know she was in amazing shape and. Um, yep. So yeah, Johnny. So Johnny actually, I'm so impressed with Johnny because Johnny was a very successful, and I think probably came, he came from a very successful acting career over in Asia. And I think after this show, I think after a few years, maybe in Los Angeles, he went he went back home, uh, I believe, to Vietnam, and and continued to act. So I, mm -hmm. had, I had a ton of respect for him because I was like, here's this guy who has this amazing acting career, and he's he's coming over here to be a stunt guy with us. But wow. I mean, he could do both equally well. I mean, he was such a talented performer. Oh my God. I mean, he, his kicks and flips were amazing. I mean, you know, he, he, he was incredible. So yeah, he actually, they would throw the, um, they would throw the, the padded, uh, uh, <laughs> the padded uh, bust on him, uh, and the wig for, for the Vorpax, uh, fight <laughs> scenes, which was funny because he was also Bruce's double as Shang Tsung. So, I think initially, I think eventually it became Marcus Young, um, okay. who was another incredible stunt performer. Marcus actually, his first episode on the show was he played, uh, he was like one of the cage fighters that fought, um, oh, who was Jamie Presley's character? And she was just beating the heck out of him. And Marcus oh, was, Marcus was doing, death. Yeah. was that one? Yeah. So Marcus was yeah. doing all these amazing, re I mean, Marcus, you know, was known for his reactions. So he was doing you know, gainers with a half and full twisting this and that, whatever. And so I think Johnny became so busy doing whatever that then Marcus, Marcus, it was kind of funny. It was like musical doubles. Like Marcus came in to double for Bruce because Johnny was doing something else. So anyway, yeah. Another great fight scene with Marcus as Shang Tsung was uh, the one in the third last episode, Balance of Power, uh, when he fought Reptile. Johnny of Valera. course. Yeah. That was wicked. Yeah, that was a great fight scene. So I doubled... I doubled for John for the the flipping kind of stuff. So I did like the big when when Marcus gave me like the the rich hand. I did the big gainer into the camera. So that's that's what was great about that show is that 
I mean, between the masks and the costumes, you could you could kind of you know you know interplay all these different things. So yeah, I I doubled pretty much every every male character that could be doubled. I think I I think I doubled wow. um, all all the main characters, uh, and then got to play a few few uh, extra bonus bonus ones here and there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, ah, look at here. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Oh, I was in heaven that day. It was one of my favorite. I was like, yes, I finally get to put on the Sub-Zero stuff. Yeah, Sub-Zero. So again, JJ sir, certainly didn't need any help from me in the kicking department. I was I was strictly his flip double. So um, I did a couple backhand springs. I did a couple, you know, front front flips. I did a lot, uh, some of the mini tramp, most, I mean, all the mini tramp work and most of the um, air ram work. Um, anytime he went airborne and doing whatever. So, but uh but again, that's that's what's cool about about filmmaking is it's the magic of bringing a character to life, and um, like I said, JJ, I never threw a single kick for JJ. He 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 was Sub Zero. I was I was simply a a small cog in the Sub Zero wheel <laughs> in the Sub Zero machine. But still, that must have been so fun to do. I mean, you're picking oh, yeah. Sub Zero, man. Yeah, what are your I, favorites? I, I had yeah, I had J. I was like, okay, JJ, what's your what's your signature thing? And you know, he he showed me his. You know, and I was like, okay, I want to make sure I get that right, just in case. You know, because a lot of times they would they would continue to roll the camera, or you'd have to do it before a big move. So like you'd have to do you know a signature move and then go into a flip. And so yeah. to help the editors, you would overlap some of that action. So I was like, okay, just in case uh -huh. I have to do it, I want to make sure I get this right. So yeah, plus yeah. I want plus I wanted to learn it just because it was cool. <laughs> JJ came up with right? that. that was all that was all his his thing. So I oh he I, did I, huh? I, oh yeah, that was JJ. Yeah, JJ came up with all the signature. Sub-Zero stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was so, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's one of the lucky few that's actually been both Scorpion and Sub-Zero as the main character. <laughs> as you, as yeah. you know. for, for Annihilation. Yeah, he, he was Scorpion. Um, again, Chris must have had a, a conflict. <laughs> I think it was probably Batman and Robin. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, actually, uh, Chris Casamasa was supposed to have a much larger role in that movie. He was supposed to have uh, five fight scenes. He is pretty sure he was even supposed to have a fight scene with Shao Kahn. Oh, wow. all got cut. You know. But still, JJ uh, killed it, man. He did yeah, great. J I mean, he's great. Very, and Cyrax. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, Cyrax. What a great... Yeah, he, yeah, he got to be a... He's quite, quite a, a staple in the Mortal Kombat universe. <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh, the Terracotta Guard from uh, Noob Cybot, episode six. Oh, there six. we go. Yeah, that was super fun. That was myself and, um, oh gosh, who was the other gentleman? Uh, oh, here Tony. we go. Tony, Tony. We go. Tony, Tony Nguyen. Tony was awesome. We had a really good time with that. Yeah, so that was... Uh, yeah, that was that was a really cool set too. We loved that set. They they kind of elevated that, so we got to flip off it, and then we flipped back up onto it. Um, and I think Taja, if memory serves, she like stabs me with a like a yep. spear, and then we like kind of blow apart. And that was fun. Yep. We that was fun doing that for uh, for the visual effects team. So so um, I don't know if it was Dana or if it was if it was Kristana. Anyway, so yeah, so she kind of stabbed me to the side. The old like spear to the side trick and we kind of held still for a minute and then like okay get out of get out of the frame and so then we we walk out of the frame and they did you know their plate shot and then they were kind of telling us how they're going to do it in post yeah that was that was a lot of fun that was a really that was a fun and comfortable well actually all the wardrobe was pretty comfortable but that was a really comfortable costume i remember um 
And yeah, you played was- the, the bigger gentleman there, I believe. Yeah, I'm on the right. Yeah, I'm yes. on the right there. Tony's yeah. standing a little taller than I am. I was I, I went to a little too deep of a stance. Um, but tell yeah, us how- go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was, I was going to say, uh, tell us how it was working with Daniel Bernhardt, man, in that in that fight scene. Oh, Daniel was great. Yeah, yeah. So Daniel was probably the he had he was the most you know most experienced martial artist of all the actors. Yeah. Um, obviously, Jeff had Jeff Jeff had a background in martial arts. Mm-hmm. Bruce a little bit. Um, you know, Paulo and Cristana not so much. Tracy a little bit. Um, but Daniel was obviously. I mean, that's what he was known for. You know, he yep. he was a full blown martial artist. So it was always you know mu- much like yeah exactly much like JJ. Um, you know, you always you always want to be on your A game. I mean, you always want to be on your A game, but especially just because Daniel was always always very sharp, very very consistent. Um, obviously, big legs, a big kicker. He loved you know he loved big kicks, and so um, yeah, it was it was funny because his double. I think Daniel is left. I think Daniel's left legged dominant, and oh. so his double was right leg. And so Daniel was sometimes <laughs> you know kind of like Casamasa with me. You know, he was like make me look good. I'm like okay, but if <laughs> I have, you know, everyone, all martial artists have, well, for the most part, have a, a more dominant leg. They just, you just throw kicks better, you know, you, you, whether sure. it's, you just turn to one side better than the other. And so obviously you want to put your best foot forward and, and be the best, you know, give the best, best performance you can. But Daniel would get so upset because he's like, guys, I'm left legged <laughs> and his double was, was throwing his kicks right. So a lot of times they flip the image in post so that it would kind of match Daniel's action because uh, yeah. again, even though Daniel was an incredible martial artist, he was still primarily there as a as a first unit cast member. So he had to kind of come over when he could in between takes and do what he could, you know. And so when he was gone, the fight had to continue. And so his double, who had a right, you know, right leg kicks. So I think yeah, in post sometimes they they flip the, the frame, you know, to, to help to make the the continuity a little bit better. Um, but yeah, Daniel was always, always super fun to work with. Yeah. And sorry, who did you say was, uh, was the double for, uh, Daniel? Uh, Daniel Bernhardt's double was, um, was funny. His name is Mike Roberts, but his, there was already so many Mike Roberts in the Screen <laughs> Actors Guild. So yeah. his stage name was Michael St. Christopher. So if you look at the credits, Michael St. Christopher is, is Mike, Mike Roberts. Um, ah. and Mike's Mike is an incredible martial artist. I mean, here's what's funny. For as much trouble as they had finding doubles for, you know, Paolo and Tracy, they could not have found a better double for Daniel. Mike was 6'2", in amazing shape. I mean, you know, shredded, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful kicks, you know, that, you know, very long legs. So, I mean, he was a perfect double for Daniel. Suited oh perfect. my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they could, and even facially, you know, pretty good. So a lot of time, and you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the Ciro wig always helped, you know, he would, when he would hunch <laughs> over the hair would kind of fall in the face and that helped. But I mean, they, yeah, they could shoot Mike sometimes, you know, full on on his face just because he was such a good double. Yeah. Uh. Oh yes. <laughs> Grandmaster Sultan Udin. Oh yes. Man. That was so a, much that respect. Was a, a fun fight. Yeah. It was, you know, it was interesting. So again, People weren't there for because you know because the budget was so tight. People weren't there for any longer than they had to be, and so a lot of times people would fly in, you know, even sometimes rehearse that day. And so I would, you know, when whenever the guest stars would come in, we we kind of meet them on the day of rehearsal. It was a quick handshake and a how's it going and a little bit of small talk, and then we would dive right in. So it was it was challenging because you know meeting all these new people, you know, you never, I never fought with any of these guys before and you kind of have to learn each other's style. And of course, 
you know, you want to be courteous to them because they're, this is their only episode, you know? And so it was like, Hey, you know, what moves do you want to, you know, what big moves do you want to do? You know, what, is there anything special you want to show off? And then we would kind of work the fights around how we could kind of highlight that. And so that was, that was a really fun fight. It was very uh, dirty. As you can see, they were constantly spraying us <laughs> with this like oil stuff. And so it was, it was yeah. getting every, getting everywhere. And, you know, makeup was always coming over and, oh, your, your dirt came off, rub it on and put some more on the shirt. Yeah. That was a, that was a fun one. <laughs> uh, I got a little side question. Um, throughout the show at all, did you ever have any, uh, uh, major injuries or anything, Chris? No, thankfully. I mean, the, the closest I came, um, it was a, I forget, I forget who I was doubling. Was it Tomas? Did he fight? Oh, Kamlao? yes. Uh, yeah. Alexander Walters, Tomas. He okay. Kamlao, yeah. 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 So up in, up in one of the rooms, I think it was Taj's room or, or one, of, one of the bedrooms, um, I was doubling for him and Mike Chat was doubling for, for Paolo. And we were doing this fight scene and we had this move where we both jumped up at the same time and roundhouse kicked each other like in the ribs. And it was just one of the, I mean, look, it happens, you know, it's fight scenes and it was getting late. We were going take after take and, you know, whether I jumped late or earlier, Mike extended too much, Mike just nailed me in the ribs and Mike's got amazing kicks. And so I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I really felt it. And I started to have... Damn some trouble breathing and um oh. I, I i slowly went over to the first assistant director mike mike finn who's a great great guy and i said i think i might have a broken rib but don't say oh. anything because i want to finish the fight i don't want to stop and he's yeah. like and mike was like well chris no we, we you know we have to stop if you're hurt i said do not stop <laughs> i said let's just keep going I, I, i'll go through it i'll go through it and so we were going, 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 and I still hadn't done the gainer yet. So there was a move where Mike hits me and I do a gainer and I have to land on my stomach and whatever. So anyway, yes. I'm just, I'm just dying in so much pain. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm a young kid, boundless energy. I was like, there's no way I'm stopped. I want to keep, I, I don't want to miss a single, you know, ounce of this fight. It was such a great fight and so much fun. So we had like yeah. one more move left and we did it. And right after we're done, John says, I think that's a wrap. And I said, are you sure? We're no, we're no, we don't need anything else, right? He's like, yeah, that's a wrap. And I instantly like fell down to, my, to one knee and I said, I, I need to go. Oh, so I went, to, I went to the hospital and the doctor, you know, they did x-rays and the doctor said, the good news is you don't have broken ribs. He's like, but you probably have the worst case of bruised ribs I've ever seen in my career. Whoa. And I just, I just was all purple and blue and then a couple of days. But you know what? That was, look, that's, that's fight scenes, you know? I mean, it's, yeah. You know, it, it, look, that that's not work. You know, it, it's it, in a way. I, I, I'm certainly not advocating for injuries because the number one most important thing in this business is safety. And too often, people are injured or you know, in extreme cases, lose their lives because of stupidity and lack of safety measures. And mm -hmm. you know, I've been very fortunate in my career for the most part that I've always worked with very safe crews. And that show in particular was incredibly safe, you know, but fight scenes, you know, it, it's like a firefighter saying the flames are too hot. You know, that's what you're kind of in for, you know, and we, we always went, you know, 110% on our fights. We always gave our all, we wanted to make, you know, the moves look powerful and real. And, and, you know, Larry was, you know, always pushing us to, to take things to the next level and do something different and, you know, really get creative with all this stuff. So, I mean, if that's the worst thing that happened, that's, that's, 
that's par for the course, you know, is it that again, mm -hmm. that, that's fights. It, it is what it is. So, um, but yeah, uh, long story short, uh, too late. Um, no major injuries, thankfully. They stayed okay. very safe on that show, yeah. And everyone was very, very safe to work with as well. And and so about that, uh, the Tomas fight with Kung Lao. So you're referring to the very, very final fight where they're sort of in the, that like marketplace, right? Because I thought you said it was in a room. Was it Tomas or was it Kassar? Kassar. Ah, the bedroom. Uh, that was Kassar. There we go. Sorry. See? Thicker than blood. 25 okay. years. Yeah, when I flip out the window. Okay. Right? Ah, yeah, yes, that's yeah, the yeah. one. So fortunately, we did the flip out the window first. <laughs> so I didn't have to worry about my ribs on that one. Okay. Yeah, Kassar. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yes, ah. Tomas, Tomas was another one. I'm getting my episodes confused. Yeah, that was oh. a... Kassar was fun. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Death uh, of the Dragon. Okay. There we go. Okay, so that, that's me and Tony to win again. Yeah. Um, so we're reprising our <laughs> our duo. Yeah. Uh, but not as not as Terracotta Warriors. That was a fun fight too. Uh, fighting with Daniel and then he incorporated the the, the, the staff. Um, he threw me. I got to go over the. He threw me over the table and I got to go into all mm -hmm. the marketplace stuff. Yeah, that was a really fun one. They're all. <laughs> I mean, they're all great. This, these are so many great memories. Yeah. Hey, look at oh, this. Okay, there we go. There's Ryan again. So yeah, so Ryan, so Ryan was also like myself. He was a like a, basically a full time member of the stunt team. Myself, Ryan, um, Mike, Mike Roberts, aka Mike, uh, Michael Saint Christopher, uh, John Valera. For a while, he was he was after a while it got too expensive to keep him, so they they would they fly him home and then bring him back for reptile. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Ryan was always doing something. He was always a ninja or you know doing something of that nature that was a really fun fight um inside of the that little uh, that? uh trading, oh. trading post yeah the trading post thank you um yeah. yeah we got to do some some fun stuff on the table ryan did a really cool capoeira move on the table that was and, that was amazing yeah yeah he, ryan talk about an incredible performer oh my god that guy is he's a freak of nature just <laughs> and, and 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 kudos to ryan he was always he was always kind of ahead of his time he was always coming up with crazy stuff that that no one was really thinking about i mean he was the first person i ever saw do a rainbow kick you know like the double leg kick i mean I, yeah. i'm not saying he was the first person to do it but he's the first person i ever saw do it and it was mm -hmm. he was always trying to push the envelope and do i, I love i mean ryan and i we grew up together i mean we he brian was also from walong kung fu um in fact that that's where we met um when we were both in high school and we became really good friends and he 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 was always trying to do something new and different you know we'd be choreographing the fights and he'd be like what if i did you know this here and i was like uh okay yeah i guess we can try it so um but yeah it was always it always paid off because he was he was always putting something cool in the fight scenes excellent and look look at those uh look at those knives eh yeah i believe in the real world those are called crisp k-r-i-s blades I right think. crisp knives yeah. or something of that nature yeah and so um yeah, the the props department did a really good job with uh, with creating those. We obviously had um, what they call the hero. Anytime anytime something is used for camera purposes, it's called the hero weapon. So like hero weapon, hero car, hero, you know, whatever. And then you have like, you know, for lack of a better term, like the stunt version, which is usually um, you know a less sharp, uh, a lot lighter. Um, those I believe were the the 
the the fight the fight uh, knives, which were still. Okay. I mean, if you got hit with one, it still hurt. Uh, but they were kind of a they were either aluminum or a very hard plastic, and then they were they were painted. But the the props mm. department did such a good job on that show with all the weapons and making everything look real. And so, just to confirm with our audiences, I think you had already mentioned uh, a while ago with me that uh, you didn't you didn't keep anything from set, right? You know, there really wasn't anything to keep. Like I said, it was such a low budget show. There really there weren't really extras of anything. Um, you know, I'm very you know fortunate in my career that I, I have got to keep. I have been able to keep a lot of um, memorabilia. I have my you know from Pirates Four. I have my Jack Sparrow sword. I have my nice. Jack Sparrow wrist wrap and my bandana. Um, some some other stuff from over the years. I got some Ninja Turtles stuff. But on that show, I, you know what? Also, too is at that time I was so laser focused on just the work. I wasn't yeah. really. I didn't really have the forward thinking to kind of be like, oh, I, I want to keep that for for memorabilia. I mean, I, I would have loved to have had you know like my Scorpion or my Sub Zero mask, but that was you know out of the question just because they only had you know a couple of those. Um, yeah. And, you know, also kind of reminding everyone, I mean, this is, we were very fortunate to be able to take pictures of this nature because this is pre all yeah. the internet. This is no, you know, social media of any kind. So nowadays, mm -hmm. I mean, you need to sign NDAs, you know, non-disclosure agreements before you work on a lot of these, you know, whether it's a Marvel show or a Star Wars show, because they don't want anything leaked. And, you know, legal action will be taken if you're found, you know, taking oh, yeah. and, and you know and and um distributing photos but back then i mean we all had our you know little disposable you know cameras or whatever <laughs> and so i'm so grateful that we got to take as many pictures as we did because yeah nowadays, certainly i don't know we, didn't, we if, you, if you want this level of photography uh, nowadays you'd have to definitely sneak it you know on your phone <laughs> really quick yeah. but yeah Oh, Unholy Alliance. This was uh, in the dream realm. <laughs> okay. So that's the fight where Paula said, hit me, hit me. Or I said, hit me, hit me, hit me. Yeah. So that was. Oh, that I, was the one. Okay. Yeah. we were. Yeah. So this was inside the trading post. And it was kind of that alternate reality thing. Yes. Um, I think that was me and Eric Solke, who um, he was actually uh, uh, one of the performers at um, the Indiana Jones stunt show. And he, oh. when we did the, when we did the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight, Obviously, they needed two flip doubles, and I couldn't do both. So I was JJ's flip double, and Chris and um, Eric was Chris Casamasso's flip double. So, and Eric's Eric's a great great performer. He went on to you know he's a big stunt coordinator now. He doubled Steve Carell uh, for many years, and maybe still does. But um, Eric Eric's a really really good really good and exceptional gymnast. He actually has a, a gymnastics move move named after him. So if what? you're if you're on a if you do a sulky. I believe it's you're on a high bar and you're doing a, a one-arm giant, you know, a giant swing with reverse grip. So Eric was the first person to ever do that in competition. And so when you do that, you get a move named after you. So anytime someone does a sulky, it's actually for Eric Sulky. But anyway, so <laughs> side note, but Eric was another one of the ninjas and I was one and I forget who the third one was, but yeah, Mike, Mike Chat was doubling for Paolo uh, on that fight. Um, oh. Yeah. Always very, doing very something. Cool. I mean, look at these costumes. Always doing something. It was great. Oh, yeah. it was, I was in heaven, man. It was, you know, it was, I did all but two episodes, I think, or maybe all but one episode. It's two episodes, yeah. Two, okay, uh, yeah the Master you. and the Essence. That's yes. It. That's yes. It. And I remember I was so, like, <laughs> bummed out. I, I missed out on two episodes. I was. So, I remember, I forget the, the Essence. Yeah, what was happened what? there? 
They just, I wasn't doubling, uh, I think the essence was what, episode four? Episode five. Five, okay. So I think that's when they were trying to, so Jay, you know, I became Kung Lao's double for episode three and episode four. And I think in their defense, they were trying to find a, a better Kung Lao double, at least looks wise. Um, uh. And so there wasn't a lot of action, at least for like ninjas or things like that, where they, where John could put me in. And so I remember, yeah, I remember I was like, I didn't, he's like, oh yeah, you're not gonna be working on this episode. I was so heartbroken. I was like, uh, what? Because, <laughs> you know, it was, I mean, that was my my whole life at that time. That was, I was, yeah. like I said, I was, I was loving it. Yeah. So, but so, yeah, yeah there so just I, wasn't much for me to do on that one. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I guess it was Mike Chat then who uh, filled in because uh, there was a fight between uh, Kung Lao and Kitana, uh, Dara Tamanovich. So hmm. it's probably Mike Chat, I guess. Yeah. 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 That was a great episode, too. All right, so let's see what's next here. Hey, there you are, oh, Scorpion. There we go. Scorpion, yeah. This was this was in uh, actually episode, uh, was it fifteen? Uh, yeah. Serpent in the Ice. You yep. can tell because he's wearing the the newer mask here, or yes. the one that's reminiscent to the movies. Because earlier in the series, he has this big bulky thing. Yeah. <laughs> this looks much better, I find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a great. Uh, they, yeah, they they got the costume kind of dialed in. Yeah, that was out. So it was, what was great about working at Disney or filming at Disney was, you know, they have, a, you know, acres and acres of land, you know, all around, you know, in between the parks and things like that. And so we had a great kind of section of forest that was dedicated just to the, just to conquest. And I mean, look at that set design that the, they did such a great job with all the pillars and the stonework. I mean, it's all styrofoam basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, or, or you know, or plaster, but, um, yeah, that was that was fun because it was uh, that was that was a cool episode because Scorpion and Sub Zero had a couple of couple of conf uh, confrontations there. They did two fights. And so yeah. yeah, that was a good one. I always loved I, Scorpion Sub Zero. Was, it was always great to be in those costumes. Again, they were so comfortable and they were so cool. I mean, it, you know, basically every pretty much every costume on that show was just kind of a black unitard, and mm. then they would just add whatever you know top or you know arm or leg. Yeah. You know elements that they needed to so the the the, war, the wardrobe was incredibly comfortable and and such a blessing because you know we had to do you know big fight scenes and big moves and you didn't want to be you know hindered by any any heavy heavy uh wardrobe pieces oh for sure that's a cool shot uh, <laughs> that's really cool yeah again i had to make sure chris i was looked good <laughs> doing it right He's yeah. like, no, Lemps, your backhand's a little. No, he, he literally like came over and like moved my arm. Like, okay. Oh right my there. god. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was very. And, hey, rightly so. It's his character. Yeah. 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 So this was fun. This was. Um, I, I mentioned that we did very little wire work. This is one of the few exceptions. And and technically, this isn't really wire work. I'm literally just suspended. So I have a harness on underneath, and I'm suspended in midair. And so this is for the scene where. Um, now here's an interesting. Here's an interesting. Uh, fun and thicker fact. than blood. Yeah. So is that when he and he and Kung Lao fight each uh, other? It's it's no, uh, I I think if I'm not mistaken, judging by what I'm seeing here, this is when Scorpion is about to do a flying punch. You could tell it was wire work, a, a flying punch against uh, Ciro or Kassar in so, that uh, courtyard. Incorrect. Okay, so this really? is one of the few, this is one of the few times, and I don't blame you because this is this is hard. So. 
Chris actually, yes, I know I know the fight you're talking about. That was actually, um, Chris was actually on a wire for that, and that was done oh, so that on, on the soundstage. This is for when, um, in I think episode two, when Scorpion and Sub-Zero, I'm sorry, Scorpion and Kung Lao fight each Kung other in that, in that temple, where Jin- Yes. Okay, so I do the front flip axe kick as Kung Lao and hit Chris, but I also took the reaction as Scorpion. So I, in essence, oh. I kicked myself. So there's a big, so, so he and Kung Lao are going at it and that's JJ and Chris. But I did the acrobatics, so I did the big front flip axe kick, which was one of the moves that Larry absolutely loved. That was one of the first like big moves I came up with on that day when Larry said, "Hey, go, go come up with some moves." I said, "Well, I can do a front in gymnastics called a front, you know, front tuck step out. So instead of landing on both feet, you step out one foot after the other." So I said, "If I go high enough, I could kind of open up early and turn that into an axe kick." So that became Kung Lao's signature move, was the it front flip axe kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. And to my knowledge, that's the first time that had ever been done anywhere. Wow. So I was super proud of that. And I was very, very, um, very uh, protective of that move. So, very cool. So I kick Scorpion with the front flip axe kick. Chris takes it in the same shot. But then when they do the impact shot of the ground, I'm the one that actually went to the ground. And then if you recall, the floor opens up and Scorpion yep. falls into the lava. That's what this is for. So I basically oh. just flailed like this in midair and they pulled the camera back to make it look like uh. I was falling away from frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So that's, that's what that is. And this was one of the early, early and one of the few kind of green screen um, things we did because like I said, mm. uh, you know, to, about your comment with, with Scorpion doing the flying signature punch, that was actually done on, on stage um, on a mm. big on a big rig. Yeah, so. Um, right on. Anyway. Blah, blah, blah. That's what, that's what this was. was no, uh, that's, that's intriguing. That was fun. So many little tidbits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is just, again, you know, me and John Valera would sneak off and do kicks and take pictures. Now, what's impressive, I think John took this picture, like, again, pre-digital. Like, he had to snap this at wow. just, the right, <laughs> just yes. the right time. So, yeah, that's that's me as Scorpion just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of i mean hey if you're in those costumes you gotta you gotta sneak off oh. and do cool cool poses and kicks on, and get pictures of it you got it there you go oh, there There's we go the okay Devin yeah Kassar. yeah and what was that what was that actor's name oh no wait or is that tomas no no this is Kassar. that's Kassar. there we go yeah yeah uh God, i can't remember his name dean something dean no yes. not dean cochran yeah is that it? dean cochran Oh wow! Okay, it is. I'm Cochran, oh, okay, wow. I believe, yeah. Okay. He was super cool. Really, really yeah. nice guy. Look at I was such, now again. I mean, they did the best they could, but look at that hair. My wig is just awful. But in their defense, again, low budget, not a lot of money for extra wigs and things like that. So the hair and makeup department was absolutely fantastic about making things work because the reality is that if I wasn't standing next to him, you would you would totally believe that was his hair, especially from behind, you know. So. Yeah! 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 They were great. <laughs> everyone did such a great job. What a great crew. I mean, everyone, like I said, everyone was at the top of their game, man. Everyone was just on it on that show. Um, yeah, so, so you always uh, doubled for for Kassar, right? Because um, I remember the, the location that this is shot, uh, the image, um, this was the very first fight scene of the episode when Scorpion was fighting those two combatants. I'm trying to think now. Um, who, who was that other gentleman? Was, or was that who you are right now? 
or were you doubling for for Dean here? Yeah, no, I'm definitely doubling there. I think. Oh, okay. So that was where it was in Scorpion's lair, and yeah. he was like training two guys, right? Or he was like he was basically Correct. beating the hell out of them, but trying to trying to train them. Yeah. Correct. So I think Bill Sharp was the other uh, fighter, and Bill okay. um, was also a stunt performer, uh, a Florida-based stunt stunt performer. Um, uh, and Bill's gone on to be a, a you know big stunt coordinator in the in the southeast. Um, nice. It's funny. I met Bill. I think I met Bill. Yeah, I, met, I think the first time I met Bill was the Wild West Stunt Show um, okay. in nineteen ninety in ninety three, and um, and yeah, he 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 had done a lot of acting and, and stunts before then. He was one of the, kind of the kind of the um, like uh, like one of the few Screen Actors Guild members in Florida that was also that was that was both an actor and a stunt performer, and he got a lot of work uh, early mm-hmm. on. So yeah, so so John brought him in to be the other the other guy. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> so funny, but Dean was yeah, great. He, D- Dean did a lot of Dean did a lot of stuff. I mean, I did a lot. I, I did the fight, and I did a lot of big hits and reactions. Oh. But but Dean was he was game. He really, you know he again when you come in and you only if you're only there for one or two episodes, you really want to you know be on camera as much as you can. And so all the actors, all the guest stars that came in, they really wanted to to you know be a part of the character as much as possible. Yeah, Alexander Walters. When we had him on the show, he's the one who played Tomas, and he said he actually did quite a bit of stuff. He tried to get in there as much as he could. Yeah, he was great. He was great. I think I think JJ was his double. That's correct. And then I was yeah. his flip double. Yeah. In fact, I think I don't know if I sent it to you. I definitely have a picture of the three of us together, and it's a riot. It's like it's oh, like him, oh. me, and JJ. I don't know if I I don't know if I have that though. Oh maybe, no, maybe you JJ didn't send me that one. It. No. Hey, that maybe we can add it in post if you find it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll fix it in post, like everything else. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Okay, oh, this was one of my favorite fights in the whole really? show. Really? Oh, my God. Wow. It was gnarly. Yeah, you and Percy killed it, man. Yeah, Percy was great. And oh. it's funny you say that because if memory serves, that was actually one of my least favorite fights as a well, performer. Well, Kung got the living shit kicked out of Well, me. yeah, not, not, not because of that. I, I think it was, I mean, make no mistake, it, it was all me. Percy was amazing. I just remember, for some reason, I I, I remember feeling rushed. I think oh, okay. in, 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 the, in, the, in the rehearsal process. Oh. And I just don't think I was fully, I don't know. I think I was just kind of, did, did he try to do his... Did he try to do, did Kung Lao try and do the, the front flip axe kick on that one too? I think I remember there was one no. fight. This is really a dorky of me, but I remember one fight. John wanted me to, to do the front flip axe kick again. And I was really, I was like, man, that's supposed to be his like last resort. You know, like when, like, I mean, yeah. he pulled, he pulled it out against Scorpion because he was literally, you know, going to lose that fight. He had, he had to, he had to pull out the big guns. And I said, I think we're using this kick a little too much because I'd already done it like two or three times and he wanted yeah. me to do it again. I was like, I don't want to do it again. You want to make it special, like yeah, a statement. Yeah, exactly. Like, because yeah. if you start to overuse it, you know, it, it, it loses its, you know, it's kind of, it's its power. For you sure. Know, on For screen sure. Impact. So anyway, but um, no, I mean, yeah. You didn't end I, up doing it in this fight. No. Okay, good. Okay, good, good. Maybe with something yeah. else. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why that, that stands out in my mind is not one of my favorites it was definitely um it was i mean had again nothing to do with percy he was so great to work with and such a great performer and the rain character was so wonderful. cool they added they yes. added lightning and post and 
Oh, yeah. yeah Kung Lao almost gets hit by the lightning. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Yep. Paulo got out of the way cool. just in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Oh, there we are. Yeah, so there's there's me and Eric Solke. So I'm on the left as Sub-Zero and Eric's on the right as uh, Scorpion. So again, that we were both the flip doubles for that fight because obviously Chris and JJ didn't need any help with their you know fight scene. But um, so the reason why we're both up there is because we both flipped off of that platform. It was about a, I don't know, like an eight, eight or nine foot drop down to a pa big pad. And we Oh both yeah, they reversed it. <laughs> Oh, that was later. Yeah. So, so this one, yeah, we actually went, we went forward in this one. And then later on top of the trading post entrance is when they reversed it. Yeah. So I did a right. double, I did a double front flip off and they reversed it. So it looked like I did a double back flip up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was fun. And then Eric did a really cool, like full twist off there. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. I think he, I kick him off and then I did like a side summy off that yes. platform. So yeah, that's why, that's why Eric and I are both up there. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. Oh yeah. This is this is pretty cool. Oh, there you know. we go. Yeah, so that's Michelle Waitman. Michelle again, another uh incredible stunt performer, um, one of the best, I think, in the business. She uh she was also at, at the Indiana Jones stunt show. Michelle actually went on to be um one of Sarah Michelle Geller's uh stunt doubles on Buffy. So oh. when John uh did Buffy, we all got to work together again and um yeah, I think there I'm just, I think there I'm just a regular nin, reptile ninja, not reptile yeah, himself. Because John's John correct. was he had a darker green, I think. Yeah. Yep. And then Michelle was doubling for, um, uh, Kiri. Okay, you would know better than I would. Yeah, um, yeah, Kirian, and uh, she's always usually accompanied by the other woman there, Anka. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. But yes, you have a, a great fight scene uh, yet again with Daniel Bernhardt yeah. in this episode. <laughs> and uh, so I guess it was, yeah, you later. Uh, Do you get stabbed by uh, Kristana? Not as a reptile, not as a reptile ninja, I don't think. I think I was, I think at this fight, I, I flip away from Daniel Bernhardt is, I'm like flipping over him and disappearing and then coming back and disappearing. And I think I just. You crawled up the tree. <laughs> oh yeah. God, was that me? Or somebody. Somebody did. did. Yeah. Maybe there were two of us. Anyway, I remember flipping away and I don't, I don't remember how I died as this guy. I don't know that I did die. Um. So what happened was uh, <laughs> the reptilian was really, really getting the upper hand uh, against Ciro. He was about to kill Ciro because Ciro got uh, whipped pretty hard by mm. a falling branch. Mm. And then what happens is that Kiri and Anka come in last minute and uh, get the upper hand against oh, okay. you. And uh, I think if I remember correctly, um, Kiri snaps uh, the reptilian's neck. Oh, yeah. maybe that, okay. Maybe that was me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was me then. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the costume, so I guess so. Yeah. God, that's funny. <laughs> so many. So you guys clearly just took this one for fun because there was no interaction between Reptile and Scorpion in the show at all. Correct. Exactly. So that was one of the, that was the same day uh, that we took that other one. John was in, I think John was in, uh, I think he might've been actually working as Reptile that day. And okay, maybe I was, maybe I was on second unit. So John was probably on first unit because John also, he was actually reptile. Um, and then maybe yes. I was on second unit and we just went and grabbed a photo really quick, but we thought that would have been a cool 
Oh, that would have been seeing a great them fight interact. I'm sure yes. it would have been. I'm sure it would have been in season two had it happened. Oh, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty wicked. I don't even know who took that picture. Oh, okay, so there we go. So there you go, Mini Tramp. That like that was a story of our our life on that show. I mean, every every big aerial <laughs> move was always a Mini Tramp, um, and landing on a pad. So yeah, that's me at. I think we're. I think that is at. Um, Splendid China, which was a, an attraction just outside of uh, a little bit further down the road from from Disney. Um, yeah, it's no this is where but... um, this is where portions of uh, Stolen Lies and Vengeance were filmed. The two last episodes. Mm, yeah, we yeah. had a great time out there. It, what was really nice about being there is that we had been on a sound. We were either on sound stages or on the Disney backlot the entire show, and so it got a little bit monotonous just from a you know just from a set standpoint. And so the fact that we were able to film here really added some, some great production value. Obviously yeah. look at that rock work and they had a lot of really cool, um, very ancient looking set pieces. And so, yeah. um, yeah, that was just, that was my, that was my front pike there. So that the gentleman in the red shirt is Mike Finn. That's the first assistant director, the first AD I was, I was talking about. He was, yeah, he was great. Mike was awesome. And, uh, yeah, we, we keep in touch to this day. Actually, Mike's Mike's, killing it right now in, in, in Florida. Mike still lives in central Florida. Yep. He's gone on to be a producer and uh, uh, a big first AD on a lot of projects. He's working in, um, in uh, virtual production now at, at a big stage down, down in Florida. So he's, he's doing great. I, I love Mike. He's such a first AD is not an easy job. It's very stressful because you're really kind of running the set. And Mike was such a soft spoken, like calm guy. And I remember one time I, you know, we, I came in one morning and, you know, we had a call time and they'd give us, you know, about a half hour, 45 minutes to get ready. And I was just kind of, you know, talking and not really, you know, and Mike just comes up and goes, um, you should probably go get ready. <laughs> He's so quiet and calm, but I knew that, you know, if Mike was saying it, it was probably pretty important. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. I'll stop, I'll stop gabbing and go get ready. <clears throat> um, yeah, Splendid China. That was a lot of fun. Wow. So I think judging from the uh this location i think this was uh the fight between kung lao and that sort of uh catwoman type yeah. character yeah 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 that was interesting she had like kind of like claws like, claws yeah yeah <laughs> that was um oh gosh she yeah me. vicky oh she's gonna kill me uh, <laughs> vicky v vicky phillips Okay. Vicky Phillips, yeah, excellent stunt woman, incredible gymnast. Yeah, um, she did great. Yeah, Vicky was Vicky was she's a tough cookie. Yeah, she was mm. really really good, very talented. Hey, Emery Hale. Ah, R.I.P. I, I know. I know. He did. Oh my he gosh. Did. He yeah. boy, talk about a gentle giant. That guy was great. So, um, yeah, the last few episodes, um, they, I, I believe they, I think he worked a couple of episodes. They needed just like a big, you know, hulky, you know, I think he played what well, he was like, he was like Shao Kahn's bad guy in the alternate reality or whatever, which was, which was so exciting. Cause we, you know, again, I think Jeff Meek kind of talked about this, you know, they, as they were winding down the season, it was still kind of up in the air whether we were going to come back or not. So they they wanted to right. leave it very they wanted to leave the storyline very open ended, and so yes. um, you know you never really knew what was going on. And so mm -hmm. this was it was always really 
it got really exciting, like toward the end of the season, just because of you know you know where are they taking this and what are they doing. Where are they taking? But it? but yeah, this was a lot of fun. He was so great to work with. He um uh, a you know wrestler obviously um we had a lot of he he was throwing me all over the place. <laughs> so of course I was always hitting a mini trap and getting thrown around. And I mean he really I mean no wire work. That guy really picked me up when yeah. there's a scene where he picks me up like over his head and. He, I was like, how are we going to do this? He's like, well, I'm just going to pick you up. <laughs> and he literally he's just, he's like, come here. And he, and he literally, and he, when you see on the show, he throws me into the crowd. Like, yes, that's all him. No, no, Damn. no mini tramp or anything. Now there is a scene where he, he hits me and I go flying back. I went off a mini tramp there. And there was a scene where he picks me up and, and has Kung Lao by the neck for an extended period of time. And yeah. that I, I am standing on, you know, a platform just because sure. not really safe yeah. to have someone by the throat <laughs> for 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there he is. Uh... Okay, yeah. So there, yeah, you can see I'm, they built like a little Apple box platform for me. And yeah. that was where I guess, I guess the camera was was over my shoulder filming him. And I guess he had a line of dialogue or something with, with Paolo. Um, yes. Yeah, gosh, so funny. Look at that set. They did a great job. That, I know, I was just about to say that. Uh, Incredible. Ah, there, there he is, oh, okay. chucking you. <laughs> there you go. That is that is real. I mean, he just literally picked me up and he wow throws me. And I mean, we put we put a lot of pads down because it's funny. I think originally we had one pad down, and John came over and he goes, "Do you want another pad?" <laughs> and I said, <laughs> "Not not thick, but but width." And I was like, "Yeah," because you know he got you know he got really amped up when we were when we were filming. And I was like, "Sure, just in case he over." <laughs> throws me maybe we should put another pad down but no he was great he always we, he, he yeah. always kept it super safe god that was fun <laughs> yeah there we go that's i'm flying back off main tramp he in the episode i think he gives me just this like crushing uppercut and uh i just go flying back i think i think uh kung la hits him in the gonads at one point <laughs> hmm. that was funny yeah, there you go. I mean, it, it was either yeah. it was either a front flip axe kick or a, or a groin punch. Those were his. That was his go to <laughs> like last resort. Man, he's, he's about to get killed. You gotta yeah. Ah, uh, oh, and I think this was the only time in the entire show where he does that kick you just mentioned. His you know kind of signature kick, and the shadow priest character Emery Hale just kind of like shakes it off like it's nothing. It's like. Oh boy, yeah. you know this is one yeah, tough guy here. Didn't yeah, it work? that was it. He was like, "All right, I'll try it," and it doesn't work. And then Kung yeah. was like, "Oh, jeez." That was a big moment for the show. It's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> yeah, they really they left it. Oh, there we go. There's everybody. Oh, look at that picture. So left to right, let's see. That's Dana He, Paolo Montalban, of course, um, Bonnie and Nagasawa. Uh, Daniel, Cristana, there's Marcus Young, John Valera, and then down below that's me and um, uh, Gary Stearns. Oh. Yeah, that was uh, that was a fun. That was when we were. I think we were just out there. Well, we were rehearsing. I think the actors were obviously working. Cristana and, and Daniel and Paolo were working, and I think the stunt team was rehearsing all the stuff. But uh, yeah, good group. That's a what a what a great group. Beautiful photo. So, so remind me, uh, uh, what did Bonnie do exactly? I want to say Bonnie was one of the female. Uh, she was much later in the se season. She wasn't one of the regular stunt performers. I think she came okay. in. 
toward the end they needed um because remember when the the with this who were the, the guys with like the bladed fans those like they were guys killing everyone the... yeah they had the fans or, oh no sorry i'm thinking of uh when he takes the fan from what's her name and uh, uses it to kill oh her. yes the shadow priest grabs okay, the yeah. fan and kills kitana yeah that was me by the way that's why i know that um, oh yeah, so I, that was me that like took her fan from her and like opened it up and then did the spinning move and killed her <clears throat> yeah so gary gary stearns and i were those guys we got to be a lot of those guys <clears throat> the, the shadow priest so i think toward the end there where, where all the female characters were you know were constantly working i think i want to say bonnie was on the stunt team uh doubling oh. one of them for that yeah interesting you know what oh the Shadow Priests still are like one of my favorites. Like it's so cool in the show. They're like unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I was a kid, I remember they used to freak me the hell out. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were creepy. They wanted. They definitely. Yeah. Larry definitely wanted it to be a little bit dark. You know, and yeah. they, both Larry and the directors and the writer, writing staff. They all. They all wanted again to create that sense of because you know you had twenty episodes uh, of you know relative danger, but the last two episodes. Um, really got because I think they were it was a part one and a part two if I'm not mistaken I think it was they, kind of like inner it was like connected yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they got it got really dark because again they didn't know where 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 the show was, was going to go, go but also wanted to raise the stakes as far as the danger and hey maybe yeah you you can't actually die so mm-hmm. so funny and, and actually here's a picture of you as uh, I thought oh, anyway <laughs> shut up please. <laughs> There's me and Gary. Yeah. So that was that yeah. day. Yeah. That was that day. That was on sound. That was on stage. Uh, they built a, I mean, the sets were just great. That um, right there. I, that's the Shang Tsung fight. So you, yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. No one could beat those uh, guys. Yeah. So do you, do you remember uh, uh, any specific moments here uh, during that fight? I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, Grandmaster Sultan Udin also uh, was in this fight. Oh, okay. Did, was he not? Uh, you know, I don't remember quite honestly. Um, I he do did remember. That, I forget the name of it, but he does this signature kick of his in oh, the okay. scream or, or whatever it is, and it's the exact same kick he does as Noob Saibot. I'm like that. That's that's got to be Sultan. And then I asked, I asked Larry, and he's like, "Yeah, actually, you're right. He was one of the Shadow Priests." Okay. I yeah, said, it wouldn't, oh. it wouldn't surprise me um, because I know that uh, again. People were kind of jumping in and out. Maybe, maybe Larry wanted to get him back. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't have enough of a of a enough screen time. They're like, you know what? We need to bring this guy back. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. The only thing I remember yeah. about those costumes in particular is they were they were super comfortable, but they were so flowing and they you get caught up so easily. So I remember both Gary and I were like trying to do kicks and. You'd be stepping on your own robe and you, you'd like trip and fall. And then you'd, John was like, yeah, he wanted me to hit the, he wanted to hit, hit, hit mini tramp and like do a full twist in the air and come down. And every time I would do that, the whole thing would just go everywhere and you couldn't see where you were, where you were going. But, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was also a little bit sad because we knew it was winding down. Yeah. So granted. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there we go. <laughs> There's <laughs> There's so now Jeff again, like like Paolo, is a little bit taller than I am, and I'm actually I think I'm wearing like two or three inch lifts underneath in those boots. Oh, but yes. um, yeah, that was uh, so originally I had Raiden was I mean obviously as you know a lot of stuff gets cut out, 
um, for time or whatever. And Raiden was actually supposed to bust out a really cool move early on, um, like in the third or fourth episode. And I was going to do this like, oh. uh, yeah, I was going to do a like a double front branding out, kind of like a double front flip with a half twist out. Um, and we just didn't get to it. It was going to be out in the forest somewhere and we didn't get to it. Um, oh, and so what was got, going on in that scene? If I, I, asked. I don't was remember. In... I think it was probably one of those bonus things. And if, if there was time for it, great. If not, no, but it, it, it didn't affect the storyline, but this day in particular, I think this was during the, um, the, the Raiden uh, Shao Kahn scene, which I played, I doubled for Jeff on both of those yeah. uh, characters as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so the episode uh, where you did do that stunt, but it didn't make it through. That must have been uh, number four. I'm guessing maybe a Mortal Kombat. Maybe. Or maybe. Maybe. I. Yeah. Oh God, I couldn't remember. It was one of those days where I just threw the. They're like, oh, Raiden is going to do this move, and I was like, okay. So I <laughs> Go slapped the Raiden stuff on and got in the wig, and but we, yeah, we just didn't get to it for whatever reason, okay. which happened, which happened a lot. Yeah. Oh, look at that. There you are, Shao right. Kahn. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That was such a cool costume. That, it, yeah, it and really, so really great. was. I mean, he, I mean, what a great performance no, that guy, he, he gave yeah, for he both genius. of those characters. Yeah, really, really genius. well done. And I, I think Jeff mentioned this as well. You know, they were going to, they were kind of toying with the, the storyline that they were brothers. Yeah, twins. Yeah. yeah. So now you would know better than I is... Is that in the in the Mortal Kombat universe? Are they brothers or no? That was just something that the show wanted to do. Uh, well, like even uh, the movie Mortal Kombat Annihilation, uh, they made that a thing, and Shinnok was their dad. Oh, you know, okay. a lot of that was just really kind of just for uh, Larry's universe. Gotcha. Um, but what is true is that uh, Raiden uh, was always uh, the protector of Earthrealm. Whereas Shao Kahn was actually, his role was sort of like the protector of Outworld, actually. Oh, interesting. Okay. And uh, the original ruler of Outworld was actually Onaga. He's a dragon king. And uh, what had happened, long story short, is uh, Shao Kahn started getting greedy. He wanted to take full control. And so he poisoned uh, the dragon king and... Yeah, got the title as emperor, and that's when, you know, with his evil deeds, he started conquering all these realms. Dude, check you out. Larry needs to hire you as a consultant for all of his yeah. <laughs> projects going forward. My God, you are a you are a wealth of information. I don't know any of this. I'm like, what? Who am I playing today? Yeah. Give me ah, a costume. <laughs> learned something new today. <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, so they were going to – I don't know if they – I can't recall if they actually hinted at it during our season, but I know that, again, rumors, I mean – Larry would he would say, oh, in the second season, we're going to do this and, you know, whatever. And we were all kind of keeping our fingers crossed. But um, yeah. I know that that was kind of a they were going to reveal that they were brothers and um, yeah. kind of go from there. But, yeah, that was uh, this was one of the last days that we shot. And it was I think Jeff mentioned this as well. It was just on an empty soundstage that had um, just giant black duvetine, you know, drapery around it to kind of i know they want to do a little bit more with it from a visual standpoint but just there wasn't the money um but it worked i mean they added some lighting effects and and things like that but um that was where we actually got to do a lot of uh, i think most of the wire work that we did on the whole season i did like i yeah. did two or three ratchets that day where you know you're in a vest and you know you're in a harness and there's a, a pneumatic um 
you know, compress, you know, a, a, a giant cylinder and you're, you're on a wire and it, it compresses and you get pulled back. And oh, so I yes. did a couple of those because these, these hits, I mean, these are the two strongest characters. And so Larry was like, these hits have got yeah. to be huge. It can't just be oh, a regular yeah. reaction. And so as, as Shao Kahn, I got ratcheted back a couple times. <clears throat> and then um, we also had a couple mini tramps standing by and, and flipping all over the place. And of course, Jeff yeah. was jumping in and out of, he would do one <laughs> side. Then I think the next, I think we shot over two or three days. And Jeff did all of Raiden on one side, then all of Shao Kahn on the other side, and I wow. was jumping back and forth. And I think, I think when I was Shao Kahn, John might have jumped. I think John might have jumped in when I would when we both had to be on screen as doubles. I think John jumped in there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Jeff said that um, there were yeah some scenes cut out where Shao Kahn was kind of flying around, but it looked he said it looked a little goofy or something. Um, but he also mentioned that you guys cut some stuff with like different weapons. Is that accurate? Can you remember the weapons? Yeah. So there was a whole. So he got. I think he got rid of the. Or he got the sword kind of late in the fight, and I think they showed him with a hammer. Did they ever show him with a uh, hammer? Uh, yes, Je uh, Raiden did have the the hammer. Okay, that got fight. cut way down because oh. they were there was a we rehearsed a whole sequence where it was sword versus hammer for uh, for a while. Oh wow! And I think if I recall, yeah, he just pulled it out and like nails Shao Kahn, and then it goes away. That's it and in the episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we we had a whole we had a whole another segment that was worked out where. Oh. This, they were fighting with the sword and the hammer, yeah. That would have been got fantastic. Cut for time. It's interesting because so many things got cut for time, and yet they were all, in the editing room. They were always extending our fight scenes, and I think that's hmm. just because of the running fight, running time of the show for whatever reason. So yeah, we would always choreograph these fights to where they would be about ninety seconds to two minutes at you know at the longer end, and sometimes yeah. they would overlap some moves and some inserts. So like inserts are when the camera's really tight and you just see kind of hands, you know, doing blocks right. and punches. We did a ton of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes they would run those and rerun those and maybe flip them in post to extend the fight scenes. So it's upsetting that so much stuff got cut for time, but again, it's, you know, it's, it's structural. You have to, you have to, it has to fit into the storyline structure of the, of the show itself in the episode. Yeah. So, um, do you remember holding a spear yeah. or something of that nature? I think that's no, I, I don't or anything else in the fight at all. Like no, any special the, the, abilities. The, this sword is the only thing I remember holding, but I, I could be wrong, but um, you I know, what's kind of a, you know, what's kind of a funny little fact about the show. It's that sword is actually one of the biggest bloopers ever because I was it. I think it was in balance of power. Kiri sneaks into the throne room and steals the sword for herself and then he's freaking out Shao Kahn yeah. at the end of the episode throwing stuff I will have my revenge blah 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 right and uh the funny thing is is magically lo and behold <laughs> he has the sword again in this episode <laughs> he's Shao Kahn <laughs> he yet another one it came back from yeah. that so when things disappear without any kind of rhyme or reason we always say they went to the magic place and so in this case it came back from the magic place <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah and so here's another great shot of uh of you oh and there Jeff. we go yeah that's 
wicked. Look at Jeff. Look how look how menacing he looks. He was, he was like, crazy. yeah, really I mean, he's intimidating. Scary. Yeah, he got yeah, his voice it, down and yes. So of course so, I'm trying to match his intensity by doing my standard like <laughs> furrowed brow, you know, pseudo tough look. But um, yeah, so you can it. see. I mean, I if you look down at my feet, you can see they're a little bit thick in the boot area. I'm, I'm wearing like <laughs> two inch lifts because Jeff's like. <laughs> Five eleven, maybe six feet, and I'm only five nine. So I had to, I'd at least try to, you know, be up to five eleven ish. But yeah. that was that was a fun picture because we just being getting to because I didn't, I didn't get to work. I mean, you know, remember Shao Kahn didn't fight at all until you know the end of the series, as you well know. Yes. So to be able to get a shot like that with Jeff was really cool. I mean, like, you know, Paolo I saw every day, and um, so yeah. that was that was really cool. I, 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 that was a fun a fun moment. And Jeff was great. He's so great to work with. Now, wow. funny enough, you also doubled for uh, Christopher Lambert in both Beowulf and Highlander 4. Uh, Lambert is, of course, famous for playing Raiden in Mortal Kombat 1995. We have a few set photos from those productions as well. Oh, okay. uh, perhaps you could elaborate on some highlights uh, during these projects. Yeah, boy, what a... Oh, Wow. So there, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's in Romania. That's the, I think that's the last day of filming. Um, it was Beowulf, freezing yeah. outside Beowulf. Yeah. This is in 1997. We, we shot in Romania from October to December. Um, and I had auditioned, as I mentioned, I auditioned for Larry in Los Angeles in September. So it, it, it was a pretty quick, it all happened pretty fast. I remember John called me and said, Hey, you, you got it. You're getting on a plane. Um, I dyed, they had, I had dyed my hair platinum blonde and, uh, cause Christopher's hair was, was platinum blonde yeah. and flew out there and did that. So this is on a soundstage in Romania and that was the Grendel, uh, prop arm. Um, so, you know, in, in the story, the, the original story, the, which I believe is considered to be the oldest, uh, story in, in literature. Beowulf or, is, or among them. I could be wrong. Don't quote wow. me on that. But anyway, so the, he, he fights this character, Grendel, and either cuts or rips his arm off. Um, and then that was that that scene that we did. But I was, I mean, talk about a great, that was my very first film ever. And to be mm. able to double Christopher on that was a dream come true because I was a huge fan of Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, and he was I mean, my God, there's no one else that could have been Connor McLeod. Um, so I was a huge fan of his work, uh, plus uh, other films that he had done. But but those two primarily had a huge, huge uh, impact on me. So to meet him and get to double him was was really, really cool. And he, what a what a kind and just cool guy. I mean, just a really, really cool guy. That's cool shot. Yeah, there we go. The Beowulf sword. That was the... <laughs> that was a really cool again larry had a lot of influence on that um from a production design standpoint he really wanted it to it's interesting because i remember uh, i think the director's name was graham baker who had done a film uh called alien nation i believe and graham okay. was i mean he's a credible director but there was definitely a, a clash of creative ideas on that show i think graham mm. wanted to make that film more of a um more of a you know a classic piece and larry you know saw more of the you know that it could be more of an action film um and it was a great cast rona mitra uh was in was in that film um 
uh, Gertz Otto, uh, who had just, he had actually just come from um, Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, oh, yeah. the, James, the James Bond film. So he was, he was on that. Um, gosh, who else was on that show? It was, it was a really fun cast. And, um, but anyway, yeah, so the, the, the costume was, was awesome. Yeah. Um, very, it was, it's weird. They wanted kind of a retro future look. So it was kind mm. of timeless. You know, they didn't want it to necessarily be in the past or the future. So it, was, it had this kind of interesting look. But yeah, that was a that was a great costume. Really cool sword. I love that sword. Um, oh, there we are. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at Christopher. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, there we go. So now fast forward two years. So because I doubled Christopher on Beowulf, we had a really good working relationship. And he actually requested me. Uh, for Highlander 4, um, I got the call. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's like, get, get, get Chris back because he was great. So um, oh. so again, we're back in Romania. It's funny because when I left Romania in 97, I said, I don't, I think I'm good on Romania. Uh, you know, because it was, the, the conditions were rough. It, again, very low budget, uh, very cold. Um, the, everyone was great. Cast and crew were great, but it was just a, a tough shoot. And I was like, okay, I'm done with Romania. Little did I know, two years later, I'd be back. So yeah, this is a, this is same time frame, uh, October to December of '99. No, I'm sorry, yeah, of '99. Yeah, because we because Mortal Kombat we did from May of '98 to February of '99. Yeah, and then we did Highlander Four at the end of at the end of that year. So yeah, oh, there yeah. we are. That was I mean, talk about a dream come true to be able to wear the Conor McLeod, you yeah. know, full traditional Scottish. Uh, kilt. I got the, you know, the, the sword. I was, I was in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. So I, so I asked for, so you, you asked about keeping things when we, when we finished up, oh, there, yeah, there, oh, there you go. The Highlander <laughs> trench coat that again, it's such a honor and, and such a cool experience to be able to, to be in that wardrobe. So that this scene yeah. was after that building behind me just exploded. <laughs> so he's walking toward the building and uh, and it explodes and he gets kind of blown back. Um, so that we had just we had just shot that scene. So when we finished uh, when we finished the show, I'd asked for I said, hey, can I have one of my swords, uh, the, the Connor McLeod sword? And they said, yeah. oh, we 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 only had a couple. And one of them is going here. One of them has to go in the archives, whatever. They said, but we have an extra Duncan McLeod sword. So I actually, it was a, it was a, it was a consolation. It was fine. I got, uh, I actually got the, the Duncan McLeod sword, which is, which is still cool. I mean, yeah. Adrian, to have Adrian Paul's sword, but um, I wanted, I was like, uh, I really want the, the Connor sword. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's fine. Donnie freaking Yen. Oh yeah, there you go. Fighting Donnie Yen. That was uh that was interesting. Yeah, Donnie is man, he's intense. He uh he's intense. I will say that. He was I mean, mm -hmm. very cool, very professional, but man, his choreography is just like boom boom boom. <laughs> and um yeah, he was uh he he was fun to work with. It was it was cool to work with him just because of I mean, it's not only the work that he had done, but what he did kind of after that, all the films that he was involved with kind of after that, that, uh, after that project. But, um, yeah, I've been very fortunate to, to fight a lot of really cool, iconic, um, action actors in my time. I got to, I worked on a, a TV show called martial law. I got to fight Sam Hung one-on-one. That was amazing. Wow. Um, Donnie, Yen got to fight Donnie. That was great. Um, yeah, really, really cool experience. And uh, 
again, we're freezing our butts off right there. <laughs> I have like I have like four layers of of long underwear on underneath that. Now there, I wasn't doubling Christopher. I think I was just playing one of a John and I both played um, monks on that show. Okay, and we're this was like this like temple and the and the the immortals were coming the, the bad immortals were coming to attack this kind of like sanctuary and so we're rehearsing the fight scene that takes place out in front of that 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 building oh yeah, that's pretty cool funny well wow. that comes to the end of that slideshow wow. well that was a thank blast you. man thank that you so for cool stroll down memory lane yeah <laughs> Now, I do have a, just a few uh, questions uh, regarding Conquest uh, before we get to our last segment of the yeah. show. Okay, so what do we got here? Well, we do always like to ask on Kamidoku if there were any funny bloopers on set. Was there ever anything that just wasn't going to plan, ended up being a, a pretty hilarious situation in hindsight? Oh, wow. Bloopers-wise... Um... No, I don't. Th I mean, not not that comes to mind. I'm sure we had plenty of them, um, <laughs> but nothing really kind of stands out. I'm trying to think of anything ever like. Oh well, one time. Uh, I mean, yeah, could have been bad. So, as I mentioned, you know, we were using mini tramps for everything. Anytime you hit, you know, uh, it had to get some big air, and so to keep a mini tramp secure when you hit it from kind of you know bouncing with you, you put sandbags on it. And so the fight scene where, um, where Scorpion and, and Kung Lao are fighting uh, after Jen uh, had been hit with the fireball or whatever, yeah. uh, I do the entrance as Scorpion. I do a double front flip and land. And we were doing one take where, the because I'd done it a few times, the sandbag had kind of shifted and it completely just came off the, the bottom support. And so when I hit the mini tramp, the mini tramp actually like, flipped with me like came forward oh and i and i set up and then that happened and i just became completely lost because it wasn't yeah. the you know it wasn't the takeoff that i had planned on yeah and i just all you just see is just ceiling and floor and i land on my back thankfully and john oh. and john thought i did it on purpose he goes <laughs> he goes what was that why would you he's like <laughs> and i was like i'm laying there on the pad i was like i didn't mean to do that he goes oh <laughs> I go, yeah, the, the, I go, the mini tramp like gave out. He goes, oh, the sandbag mode. Okay, sorry, go again. So I was like, why would I do that on purpose? But um, yeah, no, thankfully everything everything went to plan for the most part. Um, you know, I mean, some fun stuff, like I said, with Paolo for getting some choreography and, and uh, you know, fun yeah. stuff like that. But for the most part, no, everything everything kind of, uh, yeah, no, no real big, big groupers per se. No, so, so so they never pulled any pranks on you, eh? Because Bruce Locke, it seems they always pull pranks on that poor guy. Um, I know, uh, again, actually, with Bruce and Tracy, there was a, a fart machine they injected. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, my they, God. I think, you know, in that regard, I think they had more... I don't want to say they had more fun on First Unit, but they had... Um, it was probably more conducive. It was a more conducive environment for that stuff because we were... You know, we were so tight, you know, we had to, I mean, they, again, low budget, they didn't like paying overtime, anything past mm. eight hours was overtime. And so we mm. were cranking these fights out. So we really didn't have a lot of time to kind of, you know, mess around or do anything silly. <laughs> That's um, fair. Yeah. First unit had a lot more, a lot more of those kind of fun moments, I think. Plus, you know, the actors, I think they just naturally have that just playful, um, you know, they, they made the environment so fun 
you know, and and and, mm-hmm. and when we do the fight stuff, we're just kind of no BS. Like, hey, we gotta we gotta crank these fights out. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So Conquest has had some legendary wrestlers uh, to a part of the show. Um, as we know, uh, we have Emery Hale, as we had seen uh, images of. Uh, did you get to do anything with uh, Brian the Wrath Clark or Tonga Fafita? Yeah, I fought Tonga. Yeah, he was great. I was in the that was in the little circle of Festival of Death, I believe. Festival of Death. Yeah, yep. yeah, I was Kung Lao for that and got to do again front flip axe kick that didn't really work because um, he was so tough. That's the first time we tried to kind of kind of did that. It doesn't work against wrestlers. You would think Kung oh, Lao would. Oh yeah, run. yeah. That's right. That is true. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tried it. You on did him. attempt that. Yeah. Yes. So Kung Lao needs to to learn that. It doesn't work against wrestlers. It only works again <laughs> against undead, undead ninjas. Um, yeah, I got to fight Tonga. He was great. Again, just like Emery. I mean, just such a strong guy. Picked me up and threw me around, and we had a lot of fun. Um, and then who was the other wrestler you mentioned? Uh, Brian the Wrath Clark. He was on the Tomas episode, Twisted Truth. What did he What did he play? He played uh, apparently a palace guard that was used by uh, Vorpax to set uh, Tomas up, so he looked like oh, the bad guy in the end. Oh, yeah. okay. No, I don't think I, had, I don't think I had any interaction with him. Yeah, it looked like mostly in that fight, anyways, that it was JJ. But mm. but you said you did some flips though. Yes, of course. I'm sorry. Now I remember. Yes, JJ in the did woods. that fight, yeah. but I think I did some flips for that. Okay. Yes, yes. Now, yeah, yeah. I was like, God, shame on me. You know, it's funny. I was thinking of um, on Highlander 4, there was a wrestler, The Edge, or Edge. Oh, Edge. He was in Highlander 4. He played, he had okay. a character, and I fought him as oh. Christopher, as as Connor. Yeah, yeah. So, and actually, he oh, went shit. on, he went on, he had a, he's had a, an amazing acting career. Good for him. I mean, he's done a ton of stuff. Um, I think he had a he had a great role in the the series Vikings. If you watch mm. that show, he had a really yeah. cool role in that show. So good for him. I mean, he went on to really you know a lot of times they would get these sort of guest stars from other you know aspects of the industry, whether they be wrestlers or you know things of that nature, and they would just kind of go back to their you know mainstream um, mainstream media. But a lot of times you have that crossover, and and people are able to really kind of turn it into you know. I think probably one of the best examples of that was probably Brandon Lee. I mean, he was known primarily oh. for martial arts, obviously being Bruce Lee's son. And yeah. I think he was really, he did, I mean, he was such an incredibly gifted, talented actor. And it's a shame because I think he would have had a really incredible life and career, but he really broke that yeah. mold of like, I'm not just a martial artist. Like I am, I mean, the crow really solidified him as a serious yep. actor. And I think he was, he was really destined for some, some greatness in, as far as performances are concerned. Most but, um, yeah. But Edge, yeah, good for him. He's, I forget his name, shame on me. Um, the man has a name. I just don't know it <laughs> offhand. Uh, but um, that's right. Yes. I do remember that. The big guy, he, he had like a, the, the, the Brian, he had that like kind of like goat, black goatee, that's correct. long black hair. Yeah. Yep. I think JJ fought him. And then I just kind of flipped yeah. around, thankfully, because he was another tough cookie. Yeah. So <laughs> always all these great, all these great, uh, it's funny because I, as, as far as uh, meeting up with people and crossing paths again, Jamie Presley, who was on, uh, who played, what was her character's name on Mortal Kombat? Uh, Mika. Mika. I worked with her again on a film, a motorcycle themed movie called Torque, 
Oh. Um, which was interesting. But I uh, saw her again. I was like, hey, Jamie, it's Chris from Mortal Kombat. She goes, oh, my God. She goes, your hair is <laughs> not dark. I go, no, I was just for that show. <laughs> so she's, she's, she was fun to run into again. And um, yeah. yeah, they always had a lot of really great guest stars on that show. Eva Mendez, who's obviously gone on to have an incredible career. She, Mortal Kombat was one of her first, first things she ever did. Yeah. So it she, was. She, she was great. Um, Adani. Yeah. Uh, he, oh my God, what a great performer, uh, who played Quan Chi. Oh, legendary. Yeah. 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 He's gone on to have an uh, incredible acting career as well. Yeah. He was so, great on 24. Mm-hmm. 24. Yeah. And I, it's yeah. funny. I doubled, I was, I was one of the key for Sutherland doubles on 24. So I don't <laughs> think we worked together though. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'd worked stunts on that show and, um, my good friend, Jeff Cadiente, who was the stunt coordinator and, um, well, he had done martial law. He did VIP, the Pamela Anderson TV series. He, yes. He, uh, they had a number of coordinators on 24, but Jeff took over the show for a while. And uh, Eric Stavenaugh, who's an incredible stunt man, he was, he was Kiefer's full-time double, but Eric got hurt. And so Jeff brought me on, and I did, I think, about nine or ten episodes for Kiefer. Yeah. Okay. And then ended up doubling Kiefer on something else as well. So it's, it, it's crazy how it all it's all intertwined, how you work, you know, you cross paths with you know, people on this project or that project. And, you know, same with, you know, like I said, WMC Masters, Mortal Kombat. And um, yeah, it's just interesting how how everything, people, you know, you run in different <laughs> circles and sometimes those circles overlap and then sometimes they go apart and, and don't ever, like, for example, I mean, John and I, we've lost contact. We've, we haven't seen each other in years. Oh, okay. Talked in a while, yeah, so it's... And, um- who from the show do you uh, still like very commonly uh, keep in touch with? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, well, Ryan Ryan Watson, he actually was the the stunt coordinator on uh, Mandalorian uh, seasons one and two. So Ryan nice. Ryan brought me on for I did all of season two of the Mandalorian. Got to be a stormtrooper and every other kind of alien, and Wicked. so I'm uh, very grateful to Ryan for that. Ryan's had an incredible career. So yeah, Ryan. Um, it's funny we we kind of ran the same circles, and then we our circles kind of. Um, went separate ways. Ryan, so Ryan did uh, 300, the film 300. Yes. And I did Pirates. I, I done, I'd done Pirates 1. I think we were doing Pirates 2 and 3 when they did 300. And so we just kind of both took different paths and then kind of stayed on those paths. Ryan, he did, you know, he was the fight coordinator on the Wonder Woman uh, films. And um, mm. yeah, he, Ryan's Ryan's exceptional. You, you should definitely, if you get a chance, definitely have a conversation with him. But um, yeah, so Ryan and I keep in touch. Um, JJ and I will we'll shoot each other a text, uh, you know, here and there. He's he's gone on to, you know, incredible heights. JJ's directing now. I mean, I couldn't be yes, couldn't be more happy for him and so deserving. I mean, JJ really put in his time as a stunt man, a stunt performer, learned learned his craft, and um, he's a great. I mean, guy's a great director. He has a great eye, a great vision, and again, one of those people that sees things a little bit differently from everyone else, you know, yes. and puts his very unique spin on it which it, it he can take something that's otherwise especially now in action because it's really hard to do something that no one's seen before but jj has that ability to kind of just spin it just a little bit and it creates an all new kind of experience for audiences so i'm, I'm so happy and proud of him yeah his yeah. movie was uh I, I if i'm not mistaken i think it was number one on netflix uh, yeah that he oh yeah 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 with uh with with jamie Snoop dog and uh, yeah and then he's got another film in the works. And I think I saw on the Hollywood Reporter, I think Ben Kingsley just signed on. Ooh. And it's like, I mean, you know, Master, Thes- yeah, Master Thespian. So, I mean, you, yeah, JJ's great. He, he, 
if he continues to direct, he will just he'll just continue to to create great work. Um, and I think even outside the action realm, I mean, he's got an incredible mind for action. But I think he's one of those one of those directors that could really just you know tell a great story because he's so you know he's so motivated by you know good story. I mean, JJ introduced me to so many cool uh, you know films that I hadn't seen before. Okay. Um, Crying Freeman was one with um, with uh, Mark Dacascos, and that was shot so Ooh. beautifully. And um, yeah, he was he was always like showing. He's like, "Lepsh, you got to come, you know, see this." Yeah, and it was always some kind of you know Asian director or, or, or some some new film that wasn't otherwise in the mainstream. So yeah, yeah he, he he's got a great uh, foundation for that stuff. But yeah, uh, JJ, Chris, and I, I I don't really I haven't talked to Chris in forever. I. I was cleaning out when I was switching phones. I was cleaning out contacts, and I text him and says, "Is this still you?" And he's like, "Who is?" He's like, "This Leps." I was like, "Hey man, what's up?" <laughs> he's like, "How's it going, buddy?" I'm like, "Good. What are you up to?" So, but we don't really, yeah, run. And um, Marcus Young and I used to work together a lot. Uh, Marcus, um, he he actually had me on the show. He was the stunt coordinator on the show Banshee. He brought me out for, ah. for out to Pittsburgh for an episode of that. That was fun. Great to see Marcus again. Um, gosh, who else? I mean, Michelle and I, we work together on Buffy, to, Buffy a lot. Um, we, we've kept in touch over the years. Uh, uh, the Indiana Jones show had a, a 30 year anniversary, um, back in, in, uh, in 2019. And, uh, I flew, I flew back to Orlando to see everyone there. And, and, uh, that was really cool to see a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, Indiana Jones alumni. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the actors know, I mean, I haven't, I mean, Paulo and I, we emailed for a while there. Okay. Well, I mean, like right after the show ended, but um, you know, everyone yeah. kind of gets busy with life and oh, yeah. you kind of go on and do your thing. Kristana and I, um, we kind of live near each other in Los Angeles. So we, we would no see way. each other. We ran to each other at the post office one time. It was funny. It was right before she got the Terminator role. Oh, it was yeah. the post office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't think she'd started filming yet. And we ran to each other and, I, and she told me about it. And I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. You're going to blow up. Good for you. So yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We kept in touch for a little bit there, but uh, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, that's pretty cool. And I, it's funny. I saw Larry uh, Kazanoff at a restaurant one time in Santa Monica. I, my wife and I, we were sitting there and Larry, I, I looked over and I said, like, I think it's Larry. Sure enough. <laughs> and I said, like, well, I kind of surprised him because I hadn't seen Larry in I mean, since Mortal Kombat, probably. Yeah. And uh, I said, hey, Larry, Chris Leps, I just want to say hi. He goes, oh, my God, man, how are you? He's <laughs> like, hey, good to see you. I was like, I'll let you get back to it. So, and then I, uh, I mean, we were on, you know, Instagram, you know, I'll, I'll like and comment to his stuff. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I love Larry. You know, Larry was great. Larry is, great guy. I, I have to I have to hand it to Larry. He has, you know, there are, it's, it's, it's tough to be a producer because, Larry, Larry has the mind of both a creative producer and a financial producer. You know, it's like yeah. some some producers are just one or the other. You know, there are producers that are that have all the creativity in the world and they want to do all these grand things, um, but then the money producers kind of rein them in and say, you know, you can't do that. It's too much or whatever. Mm -hmm. Larry has a great mind, I think, for both. Where where he 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 shoots for the moon. But he knows what the budget is, and I think he kind of spoke a little bit about this in, in his in his episode. You know, when yeah. they were trying to be creative with the annihilation stuff and the set pieces, and you know, mm -hmm. so he he was very good about getting a high production value out of maybe not the biggest budget. And so, and what's what's interesting is Larry's had plenty of experience with big budget projects. I mean, True Lies, oh. and you know, and you know, a yeah. number of other films, and so. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for Larry. I owe a lot to him. Like I said, he gave me my. He gave I me. Mean, he took a chance on me with Beowulf. You know, he, he. Um, you know, he didn't know me yet. I just John. Yeah. John put in a good word for me, and I had that audition. And so, um, and then with Mortal Kombat, yeah. But uh, sadly, I, I would have thought we'd have worked together a lot more since then, but we haven't. So we'll see. Yeah. I think I'm. Hey. I'm no. I'm. I'm no longer. Uh, uh, the right person for the job in front of the camera when it comes to Mortal Kombat, but I, I'd definitely be down to do something behind the camera. So we'll see. I mean, he's okay. Larry's got a Rolodex of people he can use. So, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun to work with Larry again on, on anything, not just Mortal Kombat. Sure. So impressively, uh, as we've slightly discussed before, you've been in almost every episode of Conquest, uh, twenty episodes total. Um, out of all the. Uh, different stunt roles in that show um everything you did what would you classify as um maybe the most challenging or some of the most challenging that you did in that show and uh, do you have a personal favorite by chance yeah i mean that's a great question i uh i'm really proud of the stuff that we came up with for kung lao um i'm incredible i think one of my favorite on-screen moments is when I did the back layout step out kick, which is now they call it a flash kick. Um, when I fought, when I was doubling for Chris as Scorpion and I kicked JJ Perry, you know, uh, they're fighting whatever. And then I do the back backflip and my, my legs kind of scissor apart. And I, and JJ took an awesome reaction. He has got taken right off his feet. That's one of my favorite. I mean, to this, I mean, I don't really, I'm yeah. not really in the stunt realm much anymore, but that was on my stunt reel right up to the end because I was just so proud of that and I actually came up with that on Beowulf we I did that in the film oh, Beowulf okay. um, again it was one of those things where Larry was like big moves big moves and acrobatic moves and so um yeah I, I was on a mini tramp and just kind of bounced and you know you do this kind of cool back layout scissor kick thing and you can hit someone on the way up and it looks it looks so cool and and, and I mean, now agreed. now these young kids do it you know with without mini tramps piece of cake they probably do two of them um, they call, I think they call it a flash kick, but anyway, I was, okay. I mean, again, to my knowledge, I was one of the first people to kind of do that on American television. And so I'm pretty proud of that. Um, wow. and to be able to do it as Scorpion and against, you know, fighting JJ was just kind of a neat, I, I, I'm super stoked about that. Um, uh, but really all the, all the Kung Lao specialty moves were, um, were really a lot of fun to come up with. And it, it was cool because it forces you to think to take things to the next level and not just, you know, rest yeah. on your laurels and really think, okay, what can we do now? And, um, and then so many reactions on that show. I mean, I got, I did so many hits as ninjas and I mean, so many crashes, <laughs> I mean, crash, I mean, yeah, they're, they're breakaway, you know, uh, crates and things like that. It's all, but it still hurts. You know, I mean, people think that's like, oh. oh, people call it fake glass and fake wood. And it's like, no, we're, it's, it's real. You know, you're still hitting the ground. It's still an impact. Yeah. And yeah, we have pads and things of that nature, but it was, we got beat up on that show in, in the best oh. possible sense. I mean, you know, it was it was a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And um, yeah, I'm just for me, I'm just and I think I can speak alongside everyone else. I know I know some of the, the cast had mentioned this as well. I think I'm just I'm so incredibly, incredibly proud of what we did on that show at that time. Um, I think we kind of paved the way for for some action elements on television. And again, it's a shame it didn't go another season because i think that everyone i mean you look at you look at so many popular shows that that ran five or six se seasons and if you look at their first season they they really weren't that dialed in you know it's 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 usually by the second or third season where everyone really kind of finds their stride finds their rhythm 
and I mean everyone, everyone from the you know top down, the the cast, the crew, the writers, the directors, everyone just they they really have it dialed in and know are laser focused on the story they're trying to tell. And so yeah. I would have liked to have seen where the show would have gone, not only as a performer, you know, I would have loved to have continued to work on it, but as an audience member, because I watched, I mean, every, whenever the show aired, I was watching yeah. to see, hey, here's what we did, or, you know, see how that turned out, whatever. So mm -hmm. um, I think I'd mentioned to you in an email that it was rumored that had the show gone a second season, that um, Ray Park of Darth Maul fame and others, uh, Toad, from X Men and myself were going to be Sector and Cyrax, but we were going to be the, we were going to be the human forms of of that. And it's funny because John kept telling me he's like, I'm going to you know because John would have some input on who could who you know these guest roles would be. Like he would say, hey, he would go to casting and say, oh, um, would you mind reading so and so? Like like uh, Mike Roberts actually played um, he he doubled for Ciro and, and Daniel. He uh, yeah. he played a little character. He played a character. That was in like a chair and he like broke out of his chair and, and fought i forget i forget which it was but he you know he had a speaking role and everything so john was like hey i want i want you to play a character but i'm saving saving you for a good one i'm saving you for a good one and he kept telling me that <laughs> and then the show didn't get picked up <laughs> and he said oh, i guess i waited too long and i said oh it's okay but yeah so he, so when the show was winding down we were hearing all these rumors about this was going to happen that was going to happen and john was like oh you know Larry wants to get Ray Park on the show, and 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 I think you and him are going to be Sector and Cyrax. And I was like, oh, oh my god, that's awesome! And so I'd actually put together like a little demo of like what I could have done as as whichever one I was going to be. Okay. Um, yeah, but it just didn't happen. Oh wow, well, that would have been the coolest yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Because we we've seen some of that backstory a little bit in uh, the video game uh, Mortal Kombat Nine, which was pretty cool. We saw glimpses of it in another show called. A live action show uh mortal kombat legacy mm. but man yeah back in like you know 99 or 2000 whenever that would have aired that would have been fantastic yeah 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 uh, it would have been and i i know all the cast was bombed i mean everyone was bombed it was great i mean we had such a great cast and crew everyone was so great working together i don't remember any drama on that show um it was just it was a well-oiled machine and it, it's impressive because like i said it was only it was everyone's first time kind of coming together and working so i think the second season would have been even even better and run even oh, even yeah. smoother. So I think we both agreed too, discussing earlier that uh, season one, even around halfway in the show, it just got so good and it kept getting better and better and better. Like it was really building up. Yeah. So I think the second season really would have been something special. Yeah, I I found myself. We didn't really. It's funny because early on, you know, you get the script and you just kind of look at the action and say, OK, what am I doing? What's the fight? You know, whatever. But like you said, as a testament to the writing and things of that nature, I I found myself reading more of the scripts as the seasons went on because I was curious. <laughs> I was like, wait, I want to find out what's... I didn't want to spoil it too much. <laughs> but I would always like kind of see John's script and I'd be like, oh, okay. Oh. So, um, yeah, it was it was a fun show. I mean, you know, it, 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 I thought it was... I thought, I thought it was... It was interesting because it gave a lot of different audiences what they wanted you know it's like if you were a yes. straight up martial artist and you love mortal kombat boom you had the action if you want to see some skin and you know look at beautiful <laughs> men and women boom it had that for you too yeah um but it also had i thought they were i thought they were doing their best to create good story and i think that's mm -hmm. why it was so smart to set it as a period piece because it allowed that time it was just more conducive for that timeline i thought all, I mean, everyone just was so passionate about what they did. Paolo and Tracy and Jeff and Bruce and Daniel and Kristana. I mean, they were all 
they all really cared, you know, about the show and about the characters. And um, yeah, it was it was a really special special thing. So and I, again, I, I was honored and, and privileged to be a part of it. Yeah, beautifully said. Um, so, uh, did you hear by chance any other uh, rumors about season two uh, at all? Uh, and secondly, was there anything? in season one that you know was were there any concepts drawn up about something that was going to happen but it ended up being scrapped were there any deleted scenes that you did and so forth yeah i mean i wasn't really privy to a lot of that stuff you know that was kind of you know that was more the creative level you know the writers and the directors producers were talking about that stuff again the only rumors i i kind of heard toward the end there were that you know shao um uh khan and and raiden were gonna be brothers uh, you know, John told me that I might, you know, get a part. I know that they were, because I asked, I said, now, are, are, are these people, like at the end, you know, the final episode when all the characters were kind of killed off, yeah. I was like, is anyone really killed off? And John's like, well, that's, you know, that's kind of what they're they're figuring out. It's like they want to, they, it was, it was quite smart because if they didn't want to bring anyone back for whatever reason, they could stay dead. Or if they did want to bring, you know, everyone back, they had that option too. It was it was very ambiguous as to what happened to him when the shadow priests attacked. So, um, I I mean, just from my limited knowledge, I'm pretty sure everyone was going to come back, but it was just going to be yeah. how that happened, and that created this whole new conflict with you know with Shao Kahn and uh, all that stuff. So. Yeah, it would have been interesting. I mean, there's a number of ways they could have taken it. Sadly, I haven't really kept in, I haven't kept up on the the newer stuff. I have yet to see the new movie. Um, okay. It's just it's it's overwhelming. I mean, it's just there's so between. Yeah, I've I've gotten more selective with my media as I've gotten older, <laughs> just because you know it's like you care more. Your, your time is more limited. And you care really about what you're 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 watching. But um, I saw the trailer and I'm like, my God, those it looked yeah. awesome and the the stunt, fun. the stunt teams are doing stuff that you know we couldn't dream of back then you know but again we were that was back i mean i remember when you know a flying sidekick was like a big move you know i remember the first time yeah, i yeah. saw there, there was a martial artist on the on the on the circuit his name was charlie lee um and okay. his big move he would do his kata you know and then he would get into this back up to one side of the ring and he would run into a flying sidekick and the crowd went wild i mean because no one ever seen anything like that before and then, I mean, they were doing stuff, you know, over in the Wushu circuit in China. But I think the first time I ever saw a 540 kick was when Ernie Reyes Jr. did it at a comp- um, at, a, at an expo or something like that. And I was like, what was that? It just blew my mind. <laughs> and now, I mean, with all the Red Bull stuff and the, the kick competitions, I mean, this the, the younger generation is just insane. I mean, they're doing stuff off the ground that I could never do even with a mini tramp. So it's... Damn. It's cool. It's cool to see that progression of action. Um, but having said that, if it's not a good story, who cares? You know, it has to be a good story. So oh, for sure. So hopefully they hopefully they continue with that at the forefront, and um, yeah. that's always the main goal is to tell a good story. Yeah, and, and so just to confirm, uh, there was nothing that you had shot in the show that uh, didn't make it in. There's nothing at all. No, not that I recall. I mean, again, it was a pretty tight tight budget tight tight schedule there really wasn't a lot of uh time for any extra stuff um for the most part everything that we shot kind of kind of made it in there um you know like i said maybe they cut a move or two here and there or shortened it um you know on occasion but 
I mean, yeah, I think probably one of the cast members might have more intel as far as that's concerned. But from an action sure. standpoint, yeah, we we were everything we shot was was pretty much used. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, so now moving away from conquest. You've always had a passion for movies, as we know. Uh, as a filmmaker, uh, you've written, produced, and directed a number of projects, which uh, even ended up winning awards. Uh, could you tell our audiences a bit more about those? Yeah, thank you for asking. I mean, I again, yeah. like I said, when, I, when we first started, I I always wanted to be a filmmaker. You know, since I was a little kid, and um, you know, the stunt stunt realm was a great way to again kind of work in the industry learn my craft, you know, allow me to, you know, buy my own equipment. And, you know, my very first probably editing um, experience was my my Mortal Kombat reel. I mean, I was, you know, working with a, a two V, you know, two VHS machines with jog shuttles and like, okay, <laughs> stopping there. Okay, record, stop. I mean, it was crazy. So that was my first kind of, you know, um, dipping my toe into kind of that world. But I really fell in love with editing early on because I saw that from a filmmaking standpoint, you can really good editing can make or break you. And, you know, editing in the editing room is really where, you know, obviously on set, that's where the first part of the movie magic happens. But the editing room is where a lot of it happens. And in many ways, you can sort of mold the storyline. And so I, I, I became very, um, I became very interested in editing. And I knew that, uh, you know, I wanted to Kind of had that had that creative control when I when I, in my own films and so um, you know for no other reason other than necessity I would always shoot and edit my my own projects and so you know on an independent level and so yeah I had I had a pretty good uh, run as an independent filmmaker I ran the ran the festival circuit and won some awards you know nothing major you know I was never a, a you know a, a, a Sundance uh, alumni or anything of that nature, but um, but yeah, I, I still uh, uh, do some directing to this day. I'm in that kind of the corporate realm now. I do some uh, a lot of work with with corporations. I've worked with Disney and Amazon and things of that nature, okay. just doing some of their projects, smaller smaller projects on the on the on the internal side. Nothing out uh, in the real world yet. Sure. But um, yeah, I'm always I'm you know for, again for me, story is really is is everything. You know, coming from an action background, people always assume that. I want to be a big action director and oh, you know, big explosions and things of that nature. But again, if it doesn't have a good story, then you're just looking at visual, you know, mishmash. Sure. It's just, it's just, it's just visual bombardment or eye candy or whatever you want to call it. So to me, it's like you have to care about what you're watching, and you have to, you have to find an emotional connection to the characters or the story. It has to resonate with you on some level, and if it doesn't, you have to be at least be able to relate to it. So if you don't have that, who cares how cool of a move you're doing or how big the explosion is or how, you know, cool, whatever. So, you know, you have to have that investment. And so that's what I have always strived for in my creative career. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, which is probably why I don't see a lot of <laughs> films anymore, just because <laughs> eh, some of them, uh, there's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of bad, a lot of bad movies being made. Oh, but, oh, oh, I know. <laughs> but it's art. You know, hey, but in fairness, yeah. it's art. It's subjective and there's something for everyone. Um, you know, I'm not really big into the superhero films. They don't really do much for me. Again, just because uh, the stakes are pretty low as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's like if you have a character yeah. that's indestructible, how real can the danger actually be? Although that isn't to take anything away from all of those artists and all of those uh creative individuals i mean they visually i think those films are beautiful 
It doesn't mm-hmm. take away from the talent that it takes to create those films. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't take away from the level. Uh, I mean, my God, I know I know a great number of the stunt performers. The, the stuff that they're doing on those films is absolutely mind blowing. But oh, yeah. as an audience member, it doesn't really speak to me as much, just because you know it's it. Yeah. It seems like it's more rooted in the action and less in the the character. That's which, fair. Which you could get. I mean, like I said, there's something there's something for everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. But thank you for asking. Yes. Yes. So, Chris, we're going to get to the last segment of the show now, which is called Final Round. So what we're going to do in this final round is uh, just ask you some quick questions to get to know you a little (laughs) more. So the first question being, what are some of your secret talents? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Uh, I don't know that I have any. Um, I mean, tell us something I'm, most I'm, people don't know about you. I'm, well, that's the problem. Is I don't think there's anything uh, as far as talents are concerned. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty good with movie quotes. I, I kind of pride huh? myself on being able to speak in movie quotes conversationally. So just kind of this ability to adapt a movie quote to a, a situation and kind of keep that going and kind of warp it. And uh, okay. I, I, my, yeah, I, I can have full blown conversations when it comes to movie quotes. My sister, Rachel and I, uh, do that. My best friend John and I will, will do that. We'll have text exchanges that just, you know, go on forever. And it's just, it's just one movie quote leads to another. So I'm, I'm pretty good at coming up with those on the fly. Although, um, nice. Yeah. I, uh, what else? Um, yeah, no real hidden. I mean, I can say the alphabet backwards, but I don't know if that's a, <laughs> I don't know if that's a talent. I attribute that to a, a record I listened to when I was a kid. I don't know. Uh, do you do uh, anything musical or, uh, I mean, I in, in band. I was in band in, in in middle school and high school. I played the trumpet, not very well. Uh, an amateur percussionist. I mean, I had a drum set for a while, and I, you know, I would put my okay. headphones on, and I never, I never learned to read music as a as a percussionist. But I would listen to drummers and just kind of learn the beats and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, nothing really uh, musically. I mean, I can play one song on the guitar and one song on the piano, and that's it. <laughs> and oh, again, wh- not very well. I learned how to play Wonderwall on the guitar for my wife because oh, that, that's classic. our song by Oasis. Classic. Um, yeah, I learned to play that. I surprised her uh, one time. I just she was saying it was before, before we were married. I, I, we were just dating at the time. Oh. I I sat her down and I said, "Close your eyes." And I brought out my guitar. She didn't she didn't know I purchased a guitar or anything. And uh, I said, "You'll know when to open your eyes." And she goes, "Okay." And I started playing Wonderwall, and she opened her eyes, and she was just like. Uh, you, you have a uh, dude. And, uh, so yeah i didn't sing it but i played it um, that's really cool but uh yeah no nothing really i mean I, yeah okay. I, I i love editing i love uh montages uh kind of assembling yeah I, I i kind of have a you know there's that film um oh what's the film uh a beautiful mind with mm. uh with russell crowe where he kind of where he looks at an equation and like certain things kind of appear my brother always says i have this kind of ability to match uh visuals with music and it's just kind of this i just kind of see it and so i just i can i've done a lot of editing um with montage and things of that nature and i i kind of pride myself on like not only the hits of the of the drums or the bass or whatever it might be but just uh intentionally emotionally how visuals can be supported by music. And I just kind of love that space. That's kind of like my happy place when I'm just kind of okay. editing those things together. So, but I don't know if that's hidden because kind of, and anyone who knows me knows that that's my jam. So 
But yeah, <laughs> but thank you for asking. No, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to I'll try to come up with something and keep it secret. <laughs> so next time we speak. Uh, your favorite childhood memory? Do you have one? Oh wow. Who? You know, I'm uh, so many. I'm very fortunate. Um, I had a great relationship with my parents growing up and uh, I still do to this day. And we had a really, Good. our family was very tight and very, my dad, um, my dad uh, always kind of emphasized the importance of family. And um, my dad's, you know, full blown Italian. And, um, you know, he had, he had a, a kind of a rough childhood. And so I think he learned that, you know, family is really important. And uh, he, he instilled mm -hmm. that in us. And I'm very close with my brothers and sisters, my brother and sisters and my parents. And so um, we always had so many, I mean, my, it's funny, I never, and I'm sure many people can relate to this. I never knew how little money my parents had growing up until I became older and look back and realized, wow, they really weren't, they really kind of, you know, struggled. And, yeah. but you could, you would never tell from our experiences. I mean, we were all, my, my parents were so good about making sure that we had great family experiences. We, whether it was a trip to Disney or a trip to a national monument or a park or visiting family, um, so many m great memories. I mean, I, you know, growing up in central Florida, we were very much a Disney family. So Disney has a lot of, you know, Disney's woven into my DNA very early on. Um, the movies were very adventurous and, you know, again, like if Pirates of the Caribbean and Peter Pan were my two favorite rides at Disney. And so if you had told that little kid that he would one day be in the Pirates of the Caribbean films, I would have, I would have lost my mind, you know? So that I think is kind of a really special, um, experience that I've had just how things have come full circle in that regard. But, um, yeah, countless, it's funny. Okay. Well, yes. Now, now having said all that. One of my favorite memories was um, going to see Raiders of the Lost Ark um, yeah, with, yeah. <laughs> with my dad. You can, you can tell my some of my favorite movies here. Um, yeah. I was in my room. I was a terrible student. I never did homework, but the, the few times that I did, this was one of them. And my dad came in the room and you have to realize now, speaking to these younger audiences, that there was a time when like Harrison Ford wasn't a household name yet. Mm -hmm. He had only done, you know, American Graffiti and Star Wars. And so that's really all he was known for at that time. But even that was still kind of fresh. Because, yeah, because Raiders came out in 81. And so, you know, Empire had just come out. But anyway, so he came into the room and my dad says, hey, the guy that played Han Solo is in a new movie about an archaeologist that gets into all these crazy adventures. Do you want to go see it? And I was like, of course I do. <laughs> Close my book. So my dad and I went to go see Raiders, uh, and that that film changed my life. I mean, that film, man. It it just it took it took filmmaking and storytelling and directing, and just all of that woven together. It just took that art form to a new level for me. Um, mm. You know, I would challenge anyone who views Raiders as an action film to go back and watch it again. And I always tell people to watch Raiders with any movie. Watch it with the sound off because the use of camera, the use of composition, um, just everything about that film is just, it's perfect. It's it, to me, it's just a perfect film. So that had a huge impact on me. So, uh, seeing that film with my dad was, was a really special a thing. But again, I, I'm blessed that I've had so many that I don't know what to choose from, but that's definitely among them for sure. 
tell us your very first job ever. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. So I guess, I mean, like many kids, I, you know, I mowed lawns. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, mowed lawns in the neighborhood uh, for like 20 bucks a pop. And yep. uh, I bought my first bike because I want my parents, my, well, I should say I bought my first bike. My parents got me bikes growing up, but of course I wanted the like BMX, you know, high-end BMX <laughs> bike. And they said, well, 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 if you want that, you know, you got to have to pay for it because we'll buy you this bike, but if you want that bike. So I mowed lawns and, and, um, and, and paid for it. But I think my first official job where I actually like had to fill out paperwork and, you know, they took taxes out of my check, which much to my dismay, I was like, what's up with this? <laughs> my yeah. brother-in-law at the time, um, still my brother-in-law, but at the time he was, he worked for a, a local pizza place called Pizza Quick. Ah. And he, this is back in the day, again, no social media, no internet. And uh, he was like, hey, do you want to go out with me and place um, coupons on people's doors? Uh, and he was like, and it paid like, <laughs> it like, paid like $15 for the whole day. For, oh, I mean, okay. It was for a couple hours, you know. So we got in his car and we just, we parked and then we both had this like, you know, bag of coupons. And he went one way in the neighborhood and I went the other way and just literally hung them on doors. And mm. I got my, I got my paycheck and it was for like $12 and 34 cents. And I called up Sean. I was like, what's up? I thought it was for 15 bucks. He's like, well, you got to pay taxes. I was like, what's, what are taxes? What is this? <laughs> so that was my very first lesson in, uh, in, uh, into the realm of actual, like working for a paycheck and, and all that mm. stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I had some. I had some interesting jobs, you know, again, but I, but my first real job was, was, was a Ninja Turtle at Disney. I, I, well, mm -hmm. I shouldn't say that I graduated from high school. I was actually a lifeguard for Disney at first. Um, oh. yeah, I was a okay. lifeguard at, at Fort Wilderness and River country. I did that for several months. And then, um, I tried college for a semester. Didn't work out because I was, you know, I want to be a filmmaker. And at the time they didn't really have filmmaking classes. They were more of like theater classes, performance, things like that. So I, mm -hmm. I was never a great student anyway. I was just, I couldn't wait. I'm more of a hands-on guy. I, I couldn't wait to get out you know, close the book, get out in the real world, get my hands dirty and just do it. Um, but then I got the Ninja Turtle audition and got that. So that was, uh, that was definitely my first like regular job and among the best I have to say to this day. Yeah. Wicked. Ninja Turtles, Indiana Jones, Tuncha, Wild West, Mortal Kombat. I mean, just what a, the nineties were just, what a great era. I mean, I was, it's nonstop action. I was just go, go, go. But that's what, that's what youth is all about. <laughs> <laughs> and so last question, Chris, what are you most proud of? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I'll try to not give a textbook answer. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm really proud of my, uh, relationships um, with I don't have a lot of friends I will say I've lost a lot over the years um, for one reason or another and I I'm tough because I, I have a high regard for integrity and I mm -hmm. I have high standards for myself and I hold yep. often um, often it can be detrimental but I hold people to kind of the same standards that I hold myself to and as a result, you know, some people have ended up disappointing me and that's not, I'm not saying that's their fault. Um, yeah. but I just, that's who I am, you know? And, uh, 
Sure. But I will say the few friends that I do have are the best friends in the world. Um, I'm very proud of my relationship with my wife. We've been together, not married, but together now for almost 18 years. And, uh, wow. you know, it's, it's not, you know, relationships are, are not easy. It's you, you no. have ups and downs and as everyone knows, and it's, it's, it's easy to be a, uh, you know, happy, good, lucky, good, you know, person when, when everything's going your way, when the chips are down is where you really find out what people are made of and, and, and what you're made of. And I can honestly say that I've had, you know, I've had some downs in my life and I, I'm very fortunate mm-hmm. to, um, to have, to be surrounded by solid friends and family. Uh, and again, very, very few, but, uh, I, I'm proud of, of the relationships that I have and how, um, those have endured the test of time and the ones that haven't, you know, that that's fine too. I, I you know, again, it's funny touching back on what we were talking about earlier. It's, I always hated when people said that a certain person was a bad kisser, like, Oh, that person's a bad yes. kisser. Cause I, I would think to myself, well, you think they're a bad kisser, but maybe they're to someone else. They're the best kisser in the world. Right. So right. I bring that up because the whole fight scene thing, it's like, you hear people, Oh, that person's not a good fighter. I'm like, well, I, you know, to someone else, they might be a perfect dance partner. You know what I mean? So again, it's mm-hmm. a chemi- it's a chemistry. And so I feel that the same way with, with people as well. You know, there are some people that come from different backgrounds and whatever, and they could be as, as tight as tight can be. And two other individuals could come from those similar backgrounds and be like oil and water, you know? And so I don't necessarily find that um, it's an individual thing. I think it's a chemistry thing. And, um, yeah. So I just, I, I'm, I'm proud of the chemistry that I have with the people in my life and, um, that I know that, that, uh, they are true, like as, as, as human being, as it gets when it comes to this experience of, of life and that they are, that they're, they're real and just fantastic individuals. Yeah. So great answer, Chris. Oh, great thank answer. You. Well, man, uh, this has really been something special oh. to me, man. Two and a half hours. This is oh. wicked. I've taken up. <laughs> please, please tell me you're going to edit this down because I've taken up way too much of your time. Pick what? Oh pick no, hell that, no! I enjoyed every minute. Oh no, no it was great. It was great. Well, hopefully, and, ho- hopefully, your audience uh, will enjoy it as much. But like I said, I, I, I no shame if you have to edit my rambling because I, I. Uh, but no, thank you so much for 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 reaching yeah. out for having me. This is such a, a privilege. You know the the Mortal Kombat. Uh, fan base is diehard and uh, some of the best cosplayers in the world. Uh, you know, at, yes. at Comic Con, I mean, I've seen some some killer Scorpion and Sub Zero costumes that you know, and and Malia and all these amazing you know costumes that people put together. <laughs> um, uh, Katana, right? That's a that's a legit female character, right? Katana, Katana yeah, 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 yep. yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah. So thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you finally. And, um, yeah, I, I wish you guys all the best. I, I, I think what you're doing is great. I love that you have so much passion and dedication to it. So good for you. Keep it up. Oh, thanks, Chris. And before we exit today, uh, is there anything else at all that you'd like to promote at this time or any social media, um, 
Yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm not really big on social media. I am on. Uh, I'm on Instagram. You know, I, I I capture little life moments, and I just love to kind of you know, put those out there. Um, but Thanks. one of the things I, I would love to. Uh, I'm trying. To, we're trying to grow an audience. So my best friend John and I, we have a, a YouTube channel called Super Highway Seventy One, um, mm. and it is basically uh, as we as we say. Transportation plus imagination plus environment. So basically, we build Hot Wheels tracks uh, in like cool places that you wouldn't otherwise think to find a Hot Wheels track. And so we launched the channel back in September. Uh, no, I'm sorry, back in November of last year. Um, okay. And we're I'd love if everyone could swing by and, and just check it out. So what's what's really cool about Hot Wheels tracks is, and I'll be I'll be brief, is that there there there's something fascinating about Hot Wheels tracks, and that in that they have a very universal appeal. Um, whenever we do builds out in, out in public, it doesn't matter the age. I mean, everyone, people from all walks of life will stop and go, is that a Hot Wheels track? And wow, <laughs> and it goes from there, there, oh, and the car, it's just something about it. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously as, as little boys, we kind of gravitate towards cars and things of that nature, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's, again, it's this kind of universal thing. And so in a way there's sort of these kind of like live action sculptures like kind of works of art because we try to be very you know mindful and 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 um very purposeful in our in our building and how the track works and but it's interesting because you know building a hot wheels track is not easy to make functional you, it seems like an easy thing right you just whether it's gravity or you have boosters and the car goes from point a to point b but these cars aren't always like the most consistent and they, they, they rarely do the same thing twice. And so to, it, again, it's, it causes you to kind of, to think differently about not only uh, aesthetics, but also functionality. And so we try to inspire audiences of all ages, you know, uh, kids, adults, the whole nine yards that to think outside the box, you know, whether it's a Hot Wheels kit or a Lego set or whatever the case may be, you know, they come with a set of instructions, right? and you build the set to the instructions and it kind of sits on your desk or it does that for a little bit. But our thing is throw the instructions away. That's all well and good, but throw the instructions away and just build something, put something, you know, whatever's in your mind, try to, try to come up with it, try to create it. So that was really my, my best friend, John San Giovanni and I, that was our, uh, that was kind of our driving force. We've been trying to collaborate creatively for years. We both have insane, you know, lives separately, but um, we're like, we got to collaborate on something. And so this all kind of came together last year and we're yeah. super stoked. We're super proud of it in case you can't tell. Um, yeah, superhighway71.com. You can just go to YouTube and it'll, it'll bring you right there. And, um, but we're going to be, we're going to be, right now we only have about five or six videos up there, but we're going to be building it, uh, building it. We're going to have a podcast. Um, we're going to yeah. have, we're going to be doing reviews of not only, uh, you know, toys, nostalgic toys, but also, uh, you know, films that, uh, toys of the 70s and 80s, but also films of that era, all the way up through to now, uh, reviews of, you know, different media that has to do around transportation. So yeah, we're really, we're really excited about it. Yeah. So check it out. Super Highway 71. Yes. Yeah. Thank do. you for asking. Make sure, yes. Make sure to check that out, everybody. Uh, Christopher, I appreciate your time. Uh, can't wait to chat with you again soon. And uh, yeah, I wish you the best on all your future projects there and, and what you just mentioned. So exciting. Oh, thank you so much. Likewise, I really appreciate it, Toasty. You're the man. There you have it, my friends. Chris Leps. What a joy that was. Make sure to support this fine gentleman on all his future projects. He's a good guy and very dedicated to his work. Again, if you are new here, we implore you to check out all of our other interviews and fun videos that we have on the channel. Until next time, you know how it goes. Have fun, stay safe, and 
stay flawless.